Here we go. This is your cue, Sensei. Sing away, sir. Boop, boop. <clears throat> Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cave Podcast. It's your boy, Joe Reezy. I'm here with Kyle in the cave. And before we get started, I just want to make sure you guys check out the website. That's cave.com. K4v3.com. We like to feature our podcast guests on there. So when this episode releases, Sensei Ando will be all over the website, guys. And if you're wondering where to get the cave gear, that's cave.com. Cave4v3. And now, martial arts for a happy life. We got Sensei Ando in the cave. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Welcome, honored. Sensei. I have to tell you, you guys, this is the hippest type of podcast I've ever been on. I can't <laughs> read what you guys are writing. I don't know what your names are. This is really the hippest underground cool thing ever. So I'm really honored that an old guy like me can be invited in here. So thank you very much for having me. The pleasure is ours. Honestly, yes. you sparked the fire for the passion of my martial arts journey. So having you on, I'm I'm kind of starstruck. <laughs> YouTube starstruck. But awesome. yeah, it's, it's it's amazing that um the internet, you know, I have a lot of bad things to say about the internet, but the other side of that, there's you know, the positives and the pros of being able to connect with uh your your the people that you look up to and and um you value the advice of. So I'm glad to have you on, and welcome to the podcast, um, Sensei Ando. Thank you. I feel I before, feel the same way. Yep. Before we get started, I just want to ask you, um, martial arts. Is I know we we've talked to a few martial artists on the podcast. Some of them started early, some of them started late. How early did your martial arts journey begin? Uh, that was officially in the teen years. Uh, I mean, I have a, a brother growing up, so we were always roughhousing, which is great, great training if you can get <laughs> yes. it. But um, formally once puberty started uh, occurring uh, or not occurring in my case uh, i noticed everyone else was getting body hair and muscle and they're getting heavier i was in the i was an all-star in the little leagues right up until puberty and then i was like in with all these guys selling like a little boy and uh so i was kind of falling into the who do i look to for a real male role model and mm-hmm. schwarzenegger and stallone were big at the time and i was like my brother was more on that side he could get really big he gained weight really easily and I was still skinny and small and just like, oh, my God, I'm never going to shave. and I'm never going to beat up anybody. So uh, uh, and I saw Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee was a small guy, thin guy, but cocky as hell and uh, had a lot of control and, you know, charisma. And I thought, that's my guy right there. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm skinny. I can do that. I can get abs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And that kind of I found out, well, what does he do? Can I do that? And I just started to start on that path of martial arts. And uh, so, yeah, I credit Bruce Lee. Like a lot of people, I credit that's interesting because in my teens so that was that's interesting because um your style is well when 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 i was reintroduced to bruce lee i i thought bruce lee was the staple of uh martial arts back in the time because when i got into it it was around the mid 90s so literally everybody was kung fu fighting we had Mortal Kombat, we had Power Rangers, Three Ninjas, all that stuff was coming out. And I think that was, you know, caused by the momentum of what Bruce Lee did for martial arts. But I remember seeing him in the movie It Man at the end of it, where he kind of, you know, he came in kind of hot and wanting to learn the martial arts in order to 
to beat people up and get into fights. And it's interesting because your style is kind of the opposite of that. The reason that I actually gravitated towards you and your content was the fact that I feel like it's rare now to find martial art artists that coach and teach that kind of give you the philosophical components and um, applications of the technique. Uh, so mm-hmm. was that the, it was Bruce Lee kind of the gateway that brought you into it. And was there another martial artist that kind of created the tone in your, the tone of your style? Yeah. Oh, great question. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. But Bruce Lee was so cool. Uh, aside from being just a great bridge builder between cultures and all that. And he really demonstrated great, I thought, body control. And he had that philosophical side. So that was the first martial art book I ever got. It was like Jeet Kune Do, the Tao Jeet Kune Do, which wasn't really a book, but his notebook. And he had all these philosophical little thoughts in there and things that he'd taken from other sources that he was inspired by. So that immediately put me on that track to be like a philosophy major in college because I thought, mm-hmm. oh, well, these just go together. If you want to control yourself, you got to know yourself. And that means you also got to know the world and how you fit into it. How can you possibly move forward in life without understanding philosophy? So I thought you had to do that. And then, of course, I realized much later that that doesn't help you get a job and then you're going to be <laughs> poor man for the rest of your life. I wouldn't do that again. So if there's any little kids listening, go into physical therapy or medicine or something for your job. You can study philosophy on the side. Don't go to college for that. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I was really impressed with how Bruce Lee was uh, – very physical and he could grunt and growl like an animal but he could also mm-hmm. sit back with a cup of tea and wax philosophical and make you think and i thought well that's the way it's got to be so right from the earliest influence i thought they just go together and i always looked for teachers who embodied that i wanted to hear the moral construct i wanted to hear the philosophical construct of these movements in the art as well as what show me the technique so yeah to me they just always went hand in hand so i, I love to hear that that's still something that uh, you respond to. So it's not dead everywhere. I mean, uh, there are still plenty of philosophers, but uh, it's just not as popular. It's not flashy. They don't make great YouTube videos. That's just the nature of philosophy in general. <laughs> Sensei, I, um, I wanted to bring up one of, your, <clears throat> one of your posts on Instagram. It's the one that says, Stop Danger Early. And mm. um, coming, coming from a very competitive martial Mm -hmm. arts community where you know i mean nowadays with with the information available on the internet philosophy and martial arts you know all these things can build better men but um i see in in a lot of your posts especially this one stop danger early you compared um maintaining you know consistency in martial arts to i think like brushing your teeth or something like that and how okay. if you fall into bad habits, it's very easy to continue falling into those habits. And um, mm-hmm. on top of that, if you stay in that place, uh, it's much more difficult to fix those problems. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think you use the example of if you skip brushing your teeth one night, um, it's very mm-hmm. easy to continue that bad habit of not brushing your teeth for the next sequence of days. Right. So I, I really, I really love and admire, you know, um, your, your, I guess, unique style of teaching where it's not just, you know, throw 50 uh, front kicks and uppercuts and that's it. Right. It's like, you're, you're, you're blending um, life lessons into into martial arts and i think that's a beautiful thing man 
I love it. I love hearing you guys say that. I thought you're way too hip to be on the same page <laughs> as me, but yeah, you're. I I agree with that 100. Again, because I don't know how you can if you try breaking up everything into separate rules of success. Like, well, to have a healthy body is different than a healthy business. Is different than healthy relationships. Is different than like no, like success is success. Good habits are good habits. So if you want to improve one area of your life, then start improving other areas of your life. You can indirectly start influencing your relationships if you start making yourself healthier. If you're healthier and your relationships get better, then your business might get better. It's like you just learn from every part of your life. It should all help each other. If I'm in a good relationship with someone, I should be able to look at that and go, why is this working? And then be able to apply that to other parts of my life that maybe aren't working as well and go, oh, well, why do I act like that in this context, but I act differently in this context? Why do I act with like this with one type of person, but I act differently with this type of person? So once you start making your life simpler, simple, not easy necessarily, but you reflect on where you're having success, where you're not, and try to figure out why. And to me, like the brushing the teeth or keeping your room clean, like these really basic things, mm-hmm. if you can't do that, well, then don't say, well, I'm also going to be a millionaire. And I'm also going to build this and that. And like, no, you're not. You can't right. brush your teeth every night. Like, so, Start with the stuff that you can handle. If you can't mm-hmm. handle it, then you got to go, well, then why? Why can't you keep a promise to yourself to not, well, I don't, I don't know, uh, get high for a month? I don't know. Is that is that mm-hmm. bad? Or whatever. I don't know. Sometimes. Young guys are doing it. I don't want to judge. But um, if there's something that represents to you being out of control or not on the path to success and just saying, well, how often does it get in my way? How often do I still fall to it and let it control me? It's all about control. I'll just Mm -hmm. cut to it. Bruce Lee represented to me control. He could put his foot up and hold it there. So that's like symbolic, like, whoa, I can't do that. I'm unbalanced. I'm not Mm -hmm. strong. He can put that foot up there and he can control his speech. He speaks in a very exaggerated style. Every word is chosen. He enunciates. So it's like this guy represents control to me. So that's what I wanted. I didn't really – I made a little joke about beating people up. I'm not beating anybody up. But when I went into martial arts, I'm looking like I want the control of my body. I want the control of my diet. I want the control of my thoughts. I want the control of my breathing. I need to control me because, you know, as a young guy, maybe you're a little out of control. So I needed mm-hmm. that. And then if you can control yourself – you'll have a better chance of being able to control all the chaos that's going on around you. All the stuff right. that you don't control, but you need to control yourself in face of it. So this idiot's coming over here to start a fight with you. Oh, there's lockdowns. You're going to lose your business. Oh, the traffic's awful. Oh, what, you know, lots of life happens. Mm-hmm. And if you can't start with me, if I can't even control my own breath or my own thoughts or my own body, then I'm going to be completely helpless against much larger threats and much you know, things outside of my control. So, to me, it all goes together and uh, start with the simple things, build your confidence with that. Like, look, I'm going to save a dollar every day into that bank account. Fine. Can you do it? Will you do it? If you don't, well, you know, <laughs> you're not going to do anything else either. <laughs> it's just like, start mm-hmm. with something. I'm going to do 10 push-ups every day. Do one push-up every day. Uh, I have that uh, three-day challenge, I think, whatever it is, uh, one-week challenge on my website. It's like pick a move and just dedicate yourself to doing it 100 times a day for a week. If you can't do that, I think I say somewhere in that video, if you can't do that, then I'm not your guy. Don't even talk to me. You're not serious. (laughs) Go go have fun with your life, but you're never going to get anywhere. But if you can start with something that's just uh, vague, like, oh, 100 of this a day, if you can do that, you'll prove to yourself that, hey, I can stay on track. I can do this. Let me do it another week. 
Let me try a different move. Let me try another habit. And I do believe that that starts to build momentum because success breeds more success. You start building good habits. Momentum starts. Life gets better. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So that's it. It's uh, Start where you are. Pick something you can build on and just keep going. And I think it'll take care of itself. Don't worry about 10 years from now. Worry about today. Worry about right now. Do a push-up. Brush your teeth. For, <laughs> call, for a, me, call a friend say something nice. What what triggered that 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 way of thinking for you? Because for me it was you know um, just personal issues, a little bit of addiction, relationship stuff. You know it caused me to look into stoicism, philosophy, sure. um, training in martial arts. What 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 triggered it for you? I mean, aside from you know the admiration sure. of certain fighters, martial artists. Yeah, I don't think anybody does anything unless there's some pain involved. I mean, you're, yes, absolutely. I, was, I was, I was a disaster at that time. <laughs> um, like I said, I was kind of looking for a role male, uh, a male role model. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents had split. My dad was gone. And that was just sort of like, I'm floating here. I, I don't know. Like, what does life mean? What's the point of all this? And uh, is it just getting good grades in school? I thought that's what it was, but I don't know. It's just, I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I just felt sad and miserable and, and a little bit out of control. I was never dangerous, but I just felt like this sucks. And yeah. um, but then when I saw, well, this guy—he's got something. I like—I like his general this Bruce Lee guys. I, I like what he's showing me. I'd rather have that style of being and how he walks and talks and his confidence. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. So um, let me see where that goes. And then again, I wasn't—I'm not one of these Bruce Lee guys with like tattoos and name my first kid Bruce. I'm not one of those <laughs> <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> but it was a, a jumping-off point that you could live a life like that. And I said, oh, okay, I can relate to that guy. Let me do that. And, um, and then, like I said, the first couple of successes when I saw he has a training manual or someone made a training manual called Bruce Lee's Training Method. And I just looked it up. Oh, he ran. He did some stationary bike. He did some weights. He had a heavy bag. So I got a heavy bag. I went and started running all the time. And when I was able to stick to that and make that part of my life, then I didn't really look at Bruce Lee anymore because I was on a path of my own path to go, oh, now that I can do that. Let me go and join Taekwondo. Oh, now that I can do that, let me go try Aikido. Now that I can do that, let me start a little Kung Fu. Let me start teaching. Let me start. And it all takes off from there. But, you know, those first influences are the most important. Just someone to get you started in the right direction. And then it's just up to you to start building on your successes. So, uh, yeah. So there was pain. I guess the short answer I should have said was just pain. You can edit all that other stuff out. Mm -hmm. What's that? How did I get started? pain felt out of control and felt didn't have a direction and uh, wasn't having enough successes that felt real and martial arts is great because it's honest if you're getting punched mm. in the face you're losing if you're right. them in the face you're winning so Straight i lie to myself yeah it's just it's and it still is that's why it's there's nothing better than getting punched in the face i always say that uh, there's nothing more honest than getting punched in the face because even a kiss can be a lie but a punch oh. nobody punches you mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. Sensei, Sensei Ando, do you watch WWE? <laughs> I used to uh, yeah, for a little. <laughs> that's that's Sensei. my kind of argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so deep though. I like that. That's beautiful. Very, it is beautiful, man. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I, I love, I love the 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 idea of control, and I watched and I listened to that podcast or that video you you did about control and sparring partners about ah. first you need to control yourself and be able to almost manage whatever an external force 
you know, kind of brings to you as far as the conditions it brings to you. And then right. after that, are you able to manage and control another human being? And it makes right. me think also just to tie everything in of how Bruce Lee handled interviews. Like you mentioned, he was so calculated and in his own pace. I watch a lot of <laughs> interviews and it's obvious sometimes when the reporter or the interviewer is trying to kind of incite a response or speaking at a tone or a cadence in order to um, get a certain response out of the, out of the guest, Right. But Bruce Lee was unfazed by all that. He would just take a long pause, digest the question, and he would set his own tone for the conversation, mm-hmm. which was beautiful. Cool? <laughs> and it reminds me, too, because I um, one of my pre-fight uh, rituals is I go to the float tank and I mm-hmm. try to imagine one of the like, I try to imagine losing and just breathe through that and just accept that. And then I try to imagine, OK, what's a situation where I would win and try to kind of, you know, visualize that too. And mm. um, unless you do that or you really practice meditation, it's, you don't really realize the intricacy of how your breath and your heart rate, how those two patterns really get affected by external conditions and how mm. much you can control that when you, you know, hone in on, on that rhythm and you take control of how you breathe, which in turn, really manipulates how your heart beats, which is pretty powerful. Um, yep. So as far as controlling what you can, I feel like a lot of times we try to control what we can't, but the simplest things that we can control goes a long way as far as breathing goes. And, yes. And all you, that. You know, that is crazy. so wise. That is mm-hmm. – how old are you? Are you 120? What the hell? <laughs> 98. <up>. 98. <laughs> I, so true. That's incredible. I mean, and you're speaking so much like um, – I'm going to say something that people probably don't like, but the internal mm-hmm. martial arts, like in Chinese styles or in Sistema, um, that is like their whole, well, if I can clumsily summarize it, that's the whole thing. It's mm-hmm. about that. In specifically, you're talking about the heart rate and your breathing and to be and the physiological effect that that has on your body. Like when you're panicking, your heart's going fast and the adrenaline dump versus staying calm, controlling your respiration and then not letting adrenaline get flooded through your body or not letting cortisol and stress you out to stay right. in that calm place. That would be the goal. Like when you guys are sitting right there right now and presumably, you know, you're pretty calm, your heart rates are pretty good and feel comfortable. And to me, that's the goal. That's what meditation is. That's what a lot of more fancy, different John Zhuang type of things in the Chinese martial arts try to achieve or the float tank is the same thing though. It's like, I want to be, find that sense of my optimal state when I'm just all by myself. I'm just, I'm all alone. When mm-hmm. do I feel at my most creative, my most connected in my body, my most powerful, my most confident, just in my zone. And now the challenge is to step outside the float tank, outside my meditation, outside the temple, so to speak, and see if I can hold on to that. Because if I can stay in that optimal state, no matter what happens, buildings on fire, there's gunshots, someone's trying to kill you, I can still be in my optimal state. That, I believe, will give me my best chance of surviving or making the right decisions and working efficiently with my body. And it's only when we're not in that optimal state that our odds start going down. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you just said, I think, is a huge, huge insight that I didn't actually take seriously until about maybe 10 years ago to really look into that aspect of it. And it's always about techniques and being in shape and explosiveness and learning from these big-name guys. And it's like, dude, you can – none mm-hmm. of that, that – matters if you're freaking out you could be the 
You could have worked with the greatest teachers and the greatest techniques and be in the greatest shape. If you get slapped in the face and you tense up and your heart rate spikes and your legs get filled with adrenaline and you're heavy and you're like, oh, then who cares? So it right. really should go the other way around, which is kind of the other training methodology. Let's just start. Forget techniques. Let's just start with you, buddy. What <laughs> pisses you off? What freaks you out? What makes you wet your pants? Let's see if we can unwire that stuff, make you feel comfortable and calm no matter what happens in life. And now you're a dangerous person because right. now you can pick and choose your weapons and how you're going to use them and control them. Now you're like a sociopathic killer in a good way. You can stay calm, keep your heart late rate and just get the job done. This is a knife stabbing somebody. Um Whereas a sociopathic killer would do it for the wrong reasons, you as a righteous member of society, you could meet that sociopath at the same level. Like, my heart's not spiked either, Jack. You want to come after me? I'm right here. And I can defend right. myself and my family on the same plane. You have no advantage over me because I see you as a bag of meat just like you see me as a bag of meat. And I'm not taking this personally either. I see you as a task, and I'm going to finish it. So. That, that got really dark. Did I warn that? Yeah, really Sensei, dark? you're intense, <laughs> well, no, bro. It's, it's the difference. It's the difference between like an assassin and just you know someone who yeah. lost it and killed somebody. You know, right? Like you, you, you just lost it, and 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 you know you might have ran someone over. But if you meet yeah. a force of great of equal strength, like you're you're not going to fend off well. Like it was it was a chance situation where you got that kill, opposed to someone who's like a John Wick, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's funny just to bring everything together. Bruce Lee, I, I came across these videos on YouTube of, uh, I forget his name, but he was a student of Bruce Lee's and there's some instructional videos of, of him. Filipino? Um, no, I, I have to on my YouTube history. He's, uh, he's white. He's Caucasian. But okay. he always preached about the technique being about coming from a relaxed state at first, right? For Bruce Lee, you want to mm. be really relaxed. And then you want to almost fling your energy like a whip, and then you don't you don't constrict your muscles, and you don't really um, you don't you don't force the punch, and you don't make the fist you clench the fist up until the impact, and then after that you release and you relax again. You let your energy flow, right. um, and you can't do that if you're tense and you're pissed off. And it's funny because it reminds me now of today's age of martial arts, where people you know try to shit talk and rile people up. And you know that's almost that's almost valued in the sport now as a trait of oh mental warfare you know <laughs> instead of trash you know, that talk guy's a, yeah that guy's a jackass <laughs> yeah whereas whereas before yeah, it was I like that, I guess that would work of you know if I know my fighter doesn't have his his emotions under control I'm gonna talk shit I mean Bruce Lee yeah. kind of did it right Bruce Lee. Yeah. Bruce Lee was smart with it. He, Bruce Lee was kind of like Dominic Cruz with his shit talk, opposed to like a Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 pretty funny, and uh, I feel like there are still. That, if I can just interrupt, there are. I, I, when you just said that, that reminded me of like that um, when Rose uh, Rose Namajunas uh, fought Joanna, mm -hmm. and there had been that kind of thing where she, you know, Joanna was doing all the, the trash talking in her face, <laughs> and she kept like reciting "Our Father" to herself or whatever she was doing, <laughs> yes. and just oh, I remember that. Yeah, and so she went into that fight to not be intimidated by no matter what all the antics was and the craziness, she stayed calm. She won the fight. And then after the fight, she still, as I recall, 
still said something really nice. It was very gracious and still like, hey, let's just all get along. This is just you know sports <laughs> yeah. and you know we can still be cool. And I was like, she's my hero. Like that's it. Like like she's blocked out all the chaos, blocked the trash talk, and even if it's just for business or it's you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But she's like, no, I'm just gonna stay me and stay calm, and uh, and get the task completed, and I can still have love in my heart afterwards. That she's my hero. That's like the greatest. That's there. Uh, right, that, that was right. a good example. It sticks out of my head. There's others, but that that was you just brought that up in my head. There. And she beat her twice. Yeah. Plus the contrast yeah. of how Ioana was 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 acting. It was kind of over the top, but I mean, it is Ioana. She kind of does that to yeah all her opponents. But going back to like Bruce Lee being very over emotional back then, and Ip Man. <laughs> I mean, based on the movie of my my um interpretation of that scene, Ip Man kind of waiting for him to discover himself. And be able to hone his energy and emotions in order to become ready to take in the techniques because they are lethal. Like you don't want someone who's kind of out of control to be able to learn like a rear naked choke or a spinning, <laughs> spinning elbow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. are there, are there any, would you say that that school of martial arts schools or, or, or teaching is, has, has almost been, extinct of of almost filtering your students and waiting till they're ready in order to take them on or is this is it kind of just like every student's a dollar at this point i would never be that cynical to think every student's a dollar and not at all (laughs) that's a you know it's really easy to kind of bag on martial arts and call everything a mcdojo and say you know oh they're Mm -hmm. just in it for the money although i don't know that many rich people oh they just those Aikido guys are just doing that because for the money, like which rich Aikido guy are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> there is no what do you say? Uh, oh, they just keep teaching all those fancy forms over there at that Choi Lee foot school. It's just for the money to keep you a student. It's like, who's the rich Choi Lee foot guy that you're referring to? Um, I don't think there's that many, if there, but generally, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience. And that is I've met so many quality human beings, well-balanced human beings. We all have our faults, of course, but good guys who have the spectrum of 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 behaviors they're they could be stone cold killers they're very proficient with their fighting techniques but they're also big-hearted guys who are very encouraging and nurturing in their own ways and um i i mean i would like to think there are far more of those guys than the other type that you probably mm-hmm. it's easy to oh well, those guys in that style they're all a bunch of hot-headed jerks and all oh, those mma guys they're all no i mean i've been in a lot of different gyms met a lot of different people and most just like in any walk of life, most people are cool, right. or or you can recognize what state of the journey they're in, and you can be patient with them and go, okay, we're well, still trying to prove yourself a little bit too much here, or you're still a little passive there, and we're all trying to work out the balance. I think ultimately, enlightenment would be, hey, I'm cool on on the water side or the fire side. I try to float in the middle until I need a little more of this or need a little more of that. Um, we're all, I think, trying to get there ultimately. Um, but I, the number of jerks, I think they kind of weed themselves out because. Most schools don't want to work out with that guy. If you keep losing your temper and you're hurting people, that's not good business. It's not good to keep those guys around. They're hurting people. Most people don't want to get hurt when they go to a martial arts school. So mm-hmm. I'd like to think there are way more nice people and well-balanced, well-meaning people first and balanced people uh, in the martial arts. So I don't know if that answers your question, but um, I've had enough, most, mostly good experiences in martial arts. And I hope other people do too. I guess – to to rephrase my question, there's right now in the modern day, there's two schools of 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 um of paths for martial arts. There's the competitive side and there's the 
fit self-defense side, right? Um, but I feel like that third path of, you know, martial arts bleeding into all aspects of life, um, I feel like that path is kind of either been hidden or disappeared. Like you have, kind of have to be in the know in order to know it, to find a teacher that's kind of multi-dimensional to where they can apply your techniques into aspects of life or, you know, like, like you, like you said, and I feel like you do it pretty well in your content too. You really simplify things and it kind of brings back to the wax on wax off. Like <laughs> there's simple acts where I, I do this mindlessly, but I haven't really thought about the act of doing it. And there's so many lessons in just the act of doing it, you know? So that mm. third path, do you think that third path is, is more of like, kind of in the know to, to get onto that path or are there schools out there and how do you get to um, come in contact with those schools that bleed That's the martial arts within life? That may be the most interesting question I've ever been asked. That's a great <laughs> question. That's awesome. Um, holy smokes. I need to sound intelligent to answer that. Besides, besides, your, uh, YouTube channel, besides your YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Everyone should just get the link to my channel and all, all problems are solved. Um, I think, you know, that there's, well, there's a couple, there's two problems there. One is like, are there enough teachers who think multidimensionally and as a whole life art as opposed to a sport specific art? That's one question. And the other question is when you're a student looking for a school, because you say, well, how do you find these people and where do you go? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's almost impossible when I was in my teens to know that that's what I was looking for. You just have to start and figure out, is this enough? Because that's why I defend almost every martial arts style that I can ever seen because it may not be ready. You may not be great for you if you've already been training for 15 years and you've got this kind of experience. You'd say, well, I'm not going to go back and do Taekwondo. But for me, starting from Taekwondo was exactly what I needed, even though I didn't know that's what I needed, if that's what makes sense. It was like Mm -hmm. a military style. And I, I was a kind of a cocky, out of control kind of young guy. And to be able to have to stand up straight, shut up and take orders from someone that sometimes I didn't even think was better than me at anything. And I was like, it was, it was a real ego uh, disassembly to go through that and go, Holy smokes. Mm. I can't, I'm having, I, I, I literally would go out after class, either my car or whatever and cry. Cause it was mm. so hard for me to like shut my mouth and to not wisecrack or to not. So anyway, so when people say like, well, Taekwondo is this and it's only that that sport is ridiculous. And, and I say, well, yeah, yeah, but that's, those are separate conversations. As a martial arts path, at that time in my life, that's what I needed to get to the next step to yeah. get to, to start building this multidimensional thing. So let's say if it is true that the ultimate martial arts training is multidimensional, I think it's almost impossible that you can just start <laughs> knowing that, oh, okay, this teacher's got all the boxes checked. They can answer all of my needs physically, self-defense, sports, philosophy, life lessons, the whole thing. No, you just start with what you want. I want, I needed control. And I fell into this Taekwondo thing and it made me do katas and, and, and listen and shut up and put on belts and things. I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I did it and it right. changed me. And then once I changed, I thought, oh, now I don't need this anymore. This isn't, now this is no good for me. I already have this dimension kind of, I fixed something in myself. Mm-hmm. Now I want more self-defense stuff. I don't want this athletic stuff that I can't do when I'm 50 or 60 or 70. I want things I can do forever. So now I need more physical techniques that are self-defense based. Let me find something else. And then I started another path. 
And then after a while you go, okay, I feel good now. I feel like I can defend myself. Now I need something else. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's what has led me from one style, one teacher, one approach to another. Uh, because you keep changing as you keep getting better and growing and learning. So, so I don't know. There's a clumsy answer there, but I don't. I don't. I would not tell anyone like, well, here's my list of how to find the greatest teacher and how to find a multi-dimensional approach to martial arts training. I always just say, just start with something, and then right. you'll figure out whether this, this is what I need in my life right now, or this is not what I need. And if it isn't what you need, go to the next one. Find another school. Find another style. Find another teacher. See what happens. If you go, oh my God, this is hard for me. I think I'm going to stick. Or you think, I love this. I'm going to stick. Either way, you're going to change. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. And then maybe two years, five years down the road, you go, now I feel like I need something else. Mm -hmm. And then you go get it. So it's impossible to predict where you're going to be a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now in your psychological development, your emotional development, even your physical development. Uh, Oh, herniated disc all of a sudden. As you get older, you some physical things start to happen that you don't anticipate. Like, oh my God, um, I got to change my training because I can't do that anymore. So anyway, mm-hmm. I now I'm just babbling, but just do something would be the answer. Don't sit back. If you're a student, person who wants to do martial arts, but you're not sure if I found the perfect style or teacher, good, you're not supposed to know. Nobody knows. You only know if you get in, you start doing stuff, mm-hmm. and you either go, I love this, or you end up crying in your car going, I, apparently I need this. Right. <laughs> and then you're either, again, you're brushing your teeth and you're going to stick to it and build on your successes and go, I'm so proud of myself for not giving up on this. I'm so proud. Mm-hmm. And then you give you the courage to go to the next challenge. So you're just always seeking challenges. It's awesome that that your, your idol was Bruce Lee because it kind of brings this whole episode and this conversation. It's kind of the glue to this whole uh, conversation because – I feel like his style was was very representative of that. He had no style, which was Jeet Kune Do. It, you know, right? Mm-hmm. He just – it wasn't really specialized in grappling or any kind of right. striking. It was all striking and all grappling, um, encompass in one. And I, I feel like if we had a conversation with him, I feel like he would say that his style transcended the physical martial arts and kind of – cross the threshold of of spiritual and you know philosophical martial arts and i feel like that's what sets you apart and really gravitated people like me to your content was maybe because the background of your um the your philosophy background might have played into that but just how you see martial arts because like if you see it as a sports martial arts and all you're seeing you're kind of you know tunnel visioning into the athletic um, how do I get an edge? The, the latest techniques, the latest training methods. But if you're, you know, the latter, the other path that I mentioned, if you're only doing it for self-defense and fitness, mm-hmm. then you know, you're not really that into it. You're kind of just dipping your toes into the sport. I'm not really trying to spar. I just want to learn yeah. how to work my kick and all that. But there's that third, there's a third people like, like we mentioned that, Hey, I'm kind of I, I want to compete sometimes, but you know I'm not taking it that seriously. I just love training. I just love throwing kicks. <laughs> yeah, so I love hitting yeah, people. <laughs> I love that, and, and I feel like Bruce Lee. Um, one of my philosophies too is you know you you learn everything, and what, what I think it was um my friend Brian he was on the podcast previously, and he says you actually start your martial arts journey after you become a black belt. Because now you have all the techniques and all the weapons. Now you develop your own style. When you're a white belt and you're building up, you are still kind of learning. You know what I mean? You don't graduate until you're a black belt. And then 
from there you're a grasshopper all over but now you're a martial art grasshopper so to speak (laughs) just crazy um yeah bruce lee i mean did you want to add on to that before i go into a deep rabbit hole on bruce lee i love to talk so yeah you don't give me the floor again Uh, (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah yeah the um the other point i think that's really important especially since like uh, mma and these sports um sports versions of martial arts, not just MMA, but sport karate's got its thing and BJJ it's got its thing and slap the fighting. problem with those. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, slap fight. Yeah, exactly, right? So yeah. <laughs> um, the only uh, downfall to all that to me, for me, is what you look at, like when karate was in the Olympics even as a demo sport or whatever, it makes it seem like martial arts is only for elite athletes. And that bothers me to my core. Because the people who need martial arts the most are the people who are not elite athletes. Yeah. When you look at the guys and ladies who are the champs, you know, if you're like John Jones, heavyweight champ and all this, it's like he would have excelled in lots of different sports. <laughs> he didn't need martial arts to go around beating up the average guy or defending himself from the average guy. He was already a, a tier above most human beings just with his physical gifts. Yeah. So martial arts is interesting for him. <laughs> uh, and you have other guys who are also uh, either jacked up or just natural athletes or they were the star player in their football teams. And But martial arts to me wasn't for those guys. It, it was for people who don't have the athletic gifts. It's for the smaller person, the slower person, the weaker person. That's who the modern martial art I think should be for. I'm not saying cancel all sports and they're not allowed. Yes, but as fans – it's it's sad to me that you would sit in an audience, watch elite athletes of whatever it is you're watching, and say, well, that's not for me. I'll, I'll watch and I'll buy a beer and, and cheer, but I couldn't do that, which is how I always felt like when I watched the Olympics. If I watched the Summer Olympics, I see gymnastics, and I see these dudes when I was a kid, these guys are all jacked and apparently mm-hmm. healthy uh, at the time and not steroid guys, and they're, they're doing amazing things. If you had never seen <laughs> gymnastics and someone described to you what these guys could do with their bodies, you'd say, oh, bullshit, they can't do yeah. that. No, they can take these rings that are on these cables, and they can put themselves up into a T, and then they can <laughs> invert this way, and then they can come back and upside down. You're like, nobody could do that. It's like mm-hmm. superhero stuff. And um, – but when I watched that, I never once thought, oh, I should go to a gym and learn how to do that. I would watch it, and I'd say, it's mm-hmm. amazing. I'd cheer, but I'd be like, oh, I can't do that. So right. it bothers me that as popular as MMA is or as popular as any of these things is when you give them that platform of money and now you have better athletes and you have more sponsorships. Now you have better and better athletes coming from other sports that take over that. And meanwhile, my mother will never look at that and go, oh, I need to take a self-defense course. I need to do that. Like, mm-hmm. no, she'll never – it should be the opposite. You know, it should be for the common people and for the normal people, um, the, the not Superman and superwoman types because that's how I, how I feel. I identify, again, like with Bruce Lee because he was smaller and um, that made sense to me. Arnold seemed right. like this big alpha male guy with a cigar and gigantic and you're like, well, he doesn't need martial arts. <laughs> At least yeah. it didn't seem like it. Um, but Bruce is like, well, he's the little guy. He's the underdog here. That's awesome. He's showing what you can do now. Again, but Bruce was also physically gifted. It seems he was a cha-cha champion before he was a martial arts legend. He was already gifted yeah. with some, you know, charisma mm. and smarts, <laughs> and so he has some advantages. But I'm still thinking about people who aren't even as 
gifted as Bruce. They said he was super strong for his size and good rhythm. And okay, so even he is kind of an elite athlete. So what about everybody else? Because that's who's populating most classes. And if they're trying to become the next heavyweight champion of the UFC, they're either just going to get injured or greatly disappointed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there needs to be a different goal for them. Hey, how about you just control yourself? How about you find happiness? How about you treat others with respect? How about you just stand your ground and be a good role model for your kids that it's not okay to be bullied or pushed around, even if you get beat up and you lose, that you fight a good fight, that you're a righteous person. That, to me, is the heart of martial arts. Not has nothing to do with the, the money and the championships and all. I'm looking good, and I, I'm not interested in that. Right. Sensei, you you also mentioned something interesting. It sounds like you know your um, path, is, your your goal for teaching, from what I understand, is longevity for people. Because you mentioned um, happy life, bro. Yeah, better life. <laughs> and you, you mentioned previously um, that you want to be able to use techniques when you're older and you're injury prone, which is very interesting. Because right now I'm in that mindset of competition i have a losing amateur record at the moment but i I am in competition (laughs) thanks man you're you're in there you're doing it that's congratulations but but it's it's very interesting like 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 jerizi was saying um that third path of martial arts is something that has been lost maybe forgotten maybe overlooked because of all of the you know flashiness of the ufc and how popular it is and whatnot but you know what you said about being able to use techniques when you're older or um, having techniques in your back pocket if you're you know not an elite elite athlete like john jones and you're mm-hmm. small like me and you're getting bullied that is a very powerful perspective and a you know you know uh, i guess philosophy to to bring back to life for for a lot of us so i think i think that's great man yeah it goes well, back to like, about it goes back to like uh, what's his name, Helio Gracie, right? Yeah, I was oh, yeah, just gonna say one. the same and, thing. Yeah. And, and <laughs> ESP baby, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Helio. And um, was it uh, who was the one that tore up the the UFC? Was it uh, Hoyler? Hoist, in the beginning. Hoist, 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 yeah. Take it away, Coach. Take it away, Sensei. <laughs> you got this, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting because it it shows the human nature that in the beginning. That BJJ came out as like, well, see, this is for the smaller guy, the unathletic guy, the guy that seems like the underdog. But then look what happened with BJJ <laughs> since uh, 1993, whenever the first UFC was, where now it's like these steroided super yeah, athletes. Man. They don't even want to do the gi anymore. It's all no gi pumped up dudes who are elite athletes because, again, now there's money and attention. So you're mm-hmm. going to attract the better people. And now, <laughs> you know, OK, now we're back to that. But it's mm-hmm. not that I again, I don't think that that third path has disappeared. I'm not going to go that cynically because again, I keep meeting people, good teachers who are, mm-hmm. they do it and they offer it. It's just not celebrated and it's just not mainstream, but it's yeah. there. It's just like opera or classical music. It's like, it's not ever going to be as big as whatever the hell is popular music is now, but it's still there. There is still a group that understands that what's going on there and what it represents and how complex it is and how interesting it can be. And um, there's always, that's always going to be less popular, but it just survives. It just keeps going on in this little underground. And um, if I'm part of that group, I would love to be out beyond or be part of that group. This is kind of this quiet third path. Mm-hmm. All the noise and all the attention's over there. Hey, everybody, look, this is what martial arts is. Black belts, tough guys. Blah, blah. It's like, okay, you guys think that. I'm going to get home safely tonight. 
I'm going to treat people with respect. So people are trying to kill me. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to keep happiness. And I'm going to find my inner calm, even in chaos. And these are the victories that you don't get put on the cover of a magazine for. But those are the real victories. So when those guys are burned out at 32 and they've got life, uh, you know, for life injuries and uh, they've now snorted all their winnings and they're out on homeless again. It's like, John Jones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, please, I don't want him coming after me Not for another 10 years or so. Uh, uh, I would like to just, again, it's not celebrated, but these, that's why I say uh, fight for a happy life or it's, Marsh, you know, whatever the hell my website is because that's the real goal. It's not, it's not the, the belt. It's not the contract with Gatorade. It's, are you happy? Are you having a good day? And if you're not, what can you do about it? Do you have the tools to fix it? Can you put yourself back on track? Can you take that breath, find your heart, live well, treat others kindly, and not be a target for you know being victim, uh, being a victim? So that's it. That's that's real martial arts. And if you're still an old guy, you've made it that far, and uh, you got no enemies, and everything's cool, it's like good, good for you. You get shot in the head in some nightclub. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Your your path was wrong. <laughs> I, and I, feel like, I feel like that's what th- that it puts the arts in martial arts instead of it being looked at as a sport or like yes. you know like basketball. Nobody really looks at basketball as an art. Well, <laughs> unless you're unless you're a basketball player and you admire basketball as an art, but you know what I mean. Like it's not ever compared with with like art, art like paintings and and that artistic create. I mean, like even bowling and foot. Let's just talk about other sports: bowling, football, tennis. No one's like, oh, it's it's an art. But martial arts, right. like if, if you're seeing it with a certain lens, it is an art because it's, it's like dancing almost. Yeah, like yeah. dancing, and I feel like like yoga, mm-hmm. right? Like at, at surface level, it looks like you're just stretching, but we, with the, the 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 trained eye can see. The, the breathing being in sync with the movements and people just kind of in Shavasana or whatever. Mm. And it's funny because um, I watched a documentary about the ancient Tibetan monks and they talked about when they were trying to find students to teach their, their ancient techniques, they would really be picky about who to choose to take in and, mm. and bring under their tutelage. And it, almost reminds me and this is what kind of gravitated me towards martial arts because there's kind of that mythological atmosphere with martial arts like even in the movies you'll see like like a karate kid right cobra kai the athletic kid gets beaten by the underdog who just does the wax on wax off despite all the training even fucking rocky rocky four i just watched it recently Ivan Drago trading his ass off at the UFC PI and <laughs> Rocky's just over in, in Russia somewhere in a cabin. Right. <laughs> so um, just that spiritual and that kind of unseen subtle force in martial arts, I feel like also reminded me of of the uh, the monks that would kind of scan students and see if they're ready to to, to learn these techniques. And I feel like that third path, I feel like you mentioned, there's no way to find that third path. You just got to be out there. And it's almost like that third path will find you once you're out mm. there. So right. I love that advice. And Amen. yeah, it's a good way to conclude that topic and conversation. Uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit of Bruce Lee's training methods, because I remember back in high school, we used to talk about Bruce Lee being the inventor of protein shakes. Is there any validity what? to that? He would... 
I did not know that. I, I give Jack Lane credit for everything. Jack Lane to me is the king of everything. I did not. I've never heard that about Bruce Lee. That's interesting. Yeah. So I heard he meant. Yeah. He he pretty much blended meat and would, would drink it as a protein shake just to be. I did not. Efficient. That's interesting. You guys keep the conversation going. I will. I will Google that to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> but blended yeah, I mean, meat. Another thing was his um his dragon planks, right? I feel like though if you don't you guys don't if you guys don't know what dragon planks are, they're 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 you pretty much planks. <laughs> I wish. Do it on your couch, bro. It's been some years. It's been some years. <laughs> but you're pretty much doing a plank, but your lower back is elevated from the surface. So whether you're doing it at a decline slope or you're on a flat surface and you're somehow elevated. I feel like Doesn't, the only uh, person Stallone, that seen, yes, he Doesn't did do Stallone that. Doesn't Stallone do that Rocky in Rocky Four? He does that in Rocky Four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know are my there Rocky. Any, are there any other training methods that are kind of looked looked on as unconventional and unorthodox that Bruce Lee has done that not a lot of people know about? People don't know about. I don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what I always. For me personally, uh, I, what I what I recognized early on was that he was a grinder. He he seemed like a real OCD kind of. He's going to work out, and I liked that that set that bar for me right from the beginning. That because there are plenty of martial arts schools I've been in where here's a little talk, or a lot of talk, and a, a little try, and then more talk, and everyone's out of shape, and no one can run around the block, and they kind of just missed out on the whole basic idea. Like, look, if you have to just run from trouble. You should at least be fit enough to do that. If you need to stand and fight, you should at least be in a good enough shape to do whatever techniques you've been practicing. And Bruce, to me, by the fact that he was in shape and had no problem taking off his shirt as the symbol of, I'm in shape. And you don't get like that unless you've been grinding. (laughs) So everyone should be grinding. And that, to me, on the physical front of martial arts, I really, it's not a technique in and of itself, but it's just a standard. Like, if you call yourself a martial artist, you should be in shape. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And that's just, to me, that's, you got to do that. So I, I stay in shape. I've always stayed in shape. Um, and I said, well, what do you mean? I know this big guy and he's heavy, overweight, but he can still fight. I'm not, that's fine. He may have a heart attack early or have diabetes or need knee implants or replacements <laughs> or something. So there's health issues that can come up. But I just think as a standard, again, for self-control, it's a demonstration that you've built up good habits and you've stuck to them and you have the discipline to see those through. And now that behavior you can apply to other parts of your life. So I just, I, I respect Bruce being a grinder um, and putting that out there. Maybe that killed him when he was young. <laughs> maybe it was the allergic reaction. I don't know. Maybe he trained himself to death, but, um, but I still like it as, yeah. a, as, a, as, a, as a standard. I like it. Yeah. I did want to talk about that, but just to conclude this, um, he also, Bruce Lee supplements, <laughs> he also used supplements long before they were commonplace for athletes and even drank a blend of entire raw hamburgers. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know if he invented it, but I mean, that's wow. pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good for him. I mean, I'm sure there were bodybuilders at that time and he may have been influenced by bodybuilders who were already doing that kind of thing and he adopted because he's you know he's taken from everybody and right. influences from everyone. So I doubt he like created in his laboratory. I think protein is more important than intelligence. <laughs> I'm gonna create a way to drink more. But I'm sure there were other bodybuilders drinking raw eggs and doing whatever they were doing to get the protein. <laughs> in. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I, I also like to say um, 
a good student can um, can learn from any teacher or any class. So I feel like um, Bruce Lee's philosophy of you know, even talking to the bodybuilders and being like, "How? What do you? What do you do for muscle? I want to build strength like you." Oh yeah. I mean, something foreign. I mean, someone who's not really versed in a protein and and diet, you tell them to blend raw hamburgers and drink it, and trust me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the original bro that. science. Drink a hamburger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally. Um, but I'm I totally gonna talk- do it though. You talked about discipline and being in shape. I, w- I wanted to interject and counter with the, the drunken style. But you kind of capped it with that that drunken style. Um, al- although sometimes it might be effective, is not going to be efficient if, if efficient in the long run. You'll probably die soon. Might have a good record, <laughs> but you die. You know what I mean? But you, you won't edge the, the martial artist that's disciplined and on his P's and Q's. So... <laughs> can't argue that. Uh, I, I, I did want to. I did want to open the podium though to the mystery of how Bruce Lee died. Do you guys know much about how that I, happened? I wasn't <laughs> there. Don't look at me. <laughs> I heard he was poisoned. That's all I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Like some um, sort of tea or something like that. Well, what was reported was uh, he had like a allergic reaction, right? That's the report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he somehow got. I think was it a brain bleed? I think it was an aneurysm. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's I, some type of inflammation, some bad reaction. He was with that the starlet. I think the other actress. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. You know, it's 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 too bad um, that he didn't continue on as an influence. Uh, but he did so much in 33 years or whatever it was. Uh, he did so much. So um, I'm just grateful that he lived. I, I don't know how he died, but I'm grateful that he lived. Do you think his legacy would have been as powerful if he lived? Hmm. Uh, that's a great question, right? I mean, obviously, that's just guessing. I mean, there are certainly right. other people like Kobe Bryant, right, who made a huge mark and maybe as an example of like, that Black Mamba movement was yeah. something that kind of took basketball up a level to like, oh, it's more than just the basketball. It's a it's an attitude for greatness in anything you do. So that was one exec, uh, example of even basketball getting higher thanks to that. But he died young, so maybe his legacy is also greater. But Michael Jordan's still alive and his legacy is still good. So mm-hmm. I think if Bruce Lee was alive, he, I mean, look how many people we celebrate who did, had a hit back in the 70s with their band, but they're still alive. We still clap when they show up on a stage. Um, yeah. I, I think if you've made your mark in anything, you know, when Muhammad Ali lived as a legend his entire life, even though he hadn't fought in the ring for a long time, Mike Tyson is was a, the, the youngest heavyweight champ, and he's been able to go to prison, come out, have a whole rebirth, and have a whole new life, and it never took away from his legacy from what he did when he was young. So I'd say Bruce Lee would still be influential um, and still be respected for what he did because, like, Hoist Gracie, he's still alive. He changed martial arts as we know it in the mainstream with the 1993 UFC. And yet he's still alive. We still, he doesn't win anymore. We've seen him lose. And, mm-hmm. But we still talk about how great he was to go in and be that guy at that time to change things. So I'd say Bruce Lee would still be respected and uh, influential. Um, yeah. And I, I'd still go pay to meet him, shake his hand, say thank you for doing what you did. For sure. What's, what's interesting is that. Um, you know what? I lost my train of thought. Please continue without me. <laughs> what's, what's interesting is that um, 
the counter argument for for the Bruce Lee thing was, oh, he never competed. Yeah, that's oh. what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna Dude, say. Dude, ESP, bro. Bro, <laughs> bro no, no, listen. Okay, okay, okay. Let me let me interject. Hold on one second. Okay, right. now I know. So, so with, let me just tie this all together because this is perfect. Um, a lot since MMA is so big now and competition is so, you know, it's uh, like the metric now. Yeah, it's the metric. It's the baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, talking about that third path, people people now criticize um, Bruce Lee because we haven't seen much sparring footage or competition i think there's one one video right of him sparring and it's really like like uh blurry or what have you but um yeah man that that third path i mean people criticize him for for not competing and not not having any having any competition footage but the third path that he presented that philosophy is is eternal right wouldn't you agree i think i think it's more powerful than anything that that we're exposed to in regards to you know the ufc and training methods and whatnot i think now that that we're talking to you and having this conversation that third path is probably what i highlighted think is the, hopefully is it's the highlighted most, the most important path because it 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 transcends you know anybody's fight career it it goes into your your personal life. It goes into your business. It goes into your family, like you said. So, yeah, we're highlighting that third path now, man. I think that might be the most important. For yeah, sure. and um, what's it called? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Sensei. I'm sorry. <laughs> For sure, hundred percent. That is the right answer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, competition. I mean, think of how many uh, even on the elite level uh, of the of the best of the best in MMA. Think of how many are competing and then had to end their career because they got injured uh, and then you never mm-hmm. heard of. So right. they never got famous. I mean, there's only a handful of people that are like famous and rich from MMA. And, uh, you know, there's a few every year and they kind of get added on. So you slowly are kind of having a larger class. But um, it's still a very small number of people, just like basketball stars or football stars. I mean, the number of people who play basketball in the world and the number who make millions of dollars in the NBA and make a legendary career, it's a very small number. So, mm-hmm. again, if you use that as the metric, that makes no sense. It's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because it's only available to a very small number of people. Elite right. athletes who are willing to train and stay injury-free and have good management and be able to, to – make the right connections and shake the right hands to get into those fights and make that enough victories in a row to sustain a career. I mean, that's a really rare set of events to put someone in that place. So if you judge everyone by that, well, most people teaching martial arts are not world champions. Most people teaching martial arts have never been shot. Most people teaching martial arts have never been shot. have been stabbed. So Mm -hmm. at some point you got to just bring it down to like, look, Anyone can defend themselves or do a better job of defending themselves. And I don't have to have killed 10 people with my bare hands to show you and help you learn how to strangle somebody or get out of someone strangling you better than you would do it without this training. And by the way, while we're training to do that, I think we can make other parts of your life even better too because it all goes the same. It's all the same process. It's getting over your fears. It's in using your strengths. It's taking on new challenges. It's making yourself a better person. And that will help your fighting. That will help your everything, relationships, business, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, metrics, using a sport success as the metric of your martial arts prowess or your success as a human being doesn't make a lot of sense. No. It's funny that we were talking about this, too, because athletes that are kind of towards the end of their career, kind of like Frankie Edgar, a few fights before, 
they're kind of lost. They don't know what to do after the sport, you know, unless they're they're they have they have a gig lined up like DC did in the on the on the side or the analyst desk. I think Frankie did stand up <laughs> a little bit. Did he? He did stand up comedy. He had like a gig. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty, it went well. Yeah, he's a great fighter, man. One of my yeah, favorites. He is. Oh yeah. Shout oh, out Frankie Yeager. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the even even basketball players like towards the end of their careers, you know, um, they usually. Well, I don't want to say all of them because I feel like right now they're more educated than before. But back then they used to just blow it, and I kind of used to be the downfall. Sure. Um, what we see now in combat athletes, I feel like it's highlighted there. You know, you see these fighters coming back from retirement for these like. Mm. fights what what for you know like there's there's no glory yeah. to these fights and it doesn't add it might even tarnish your legacy coming out unless you're floyd, <laughs> floyd <man. laughs> i think pacquiao is gonna fight coming up too coming but back. yeah um the philosophy of the third path i feel like transcends like i said competition because after it all, like who really remains dangerous? Because sometimes those top athletes, like, oh, I'm a real estate agent now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I used to be a, yeah. a, a killer back then, but that was back then. Opposed to the guy in the third path is like, I'm still learning. I'm still in the gym. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah I mean, George awesome. St. Pierre still training. He's still learning, and uh, mm -hmm. he's someone who seems to have. He was always considered himself a, a martial artist, I believe, first, and the MMA thing was just kind of like how to make some money while he's being a martial artist. Mm -hmm. And he's still training, he's still learning, and he's still going on. He's still like, no, I just like learning. I just like being a student. So he seems right. to have put that together pretty well. But, yeah, that's a good point about you're a legend, you retire, and now there's like these little quick cash grab fights, and they come in, they look terrible, and they're and they're not you know, very scary anymore. Mm -hmm. But now that I mean, you said that, that made me think. But now they're showing the example of how all the rest of us who do martial arts is who's not an elite athlete. Now even they aren't an elite athlete anymore. They're like everybody else. Like I just want to get in there because I like yeah. doing it. It's just mm -hmm. fun and it makes my life better and I like meeting this challenge. So now they're, I can relate. I can relate to <laughs> Roy Jones Jr. retired right. comeback in there with retired Mike Tyson in there with retired Anderson Silva. <laughs> Fantastic. You guys are slower. <laughs> it's more relatable. Like, look at you go. But now why are you doing it? Because you love doing it and you like a challenge. That's me too. I like doing it and I like a challenge. I didn't claim to be a champion. In fact, the fact that you we have to look at that is like, oh, that's too bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. You get disconnected? Yeah, I think you got disconnected. Don't stop the podcast. Podcast is still going. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like that is true. I didn't mean to diss him like that, but there he's back on. There, ooh, oh, I'm so glad. I know what happened? I hit yeah. Like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't mean to diss you and say that. Ah, it's too bad that these people are coming back, but that is a perspective that you know opened my eyes. So yeah, if you want to keep going on that tangent before you got caught off. Yeah, I know that you you got the point there. Sorry, I don't know what happened technically, mm. but um, thanks for saying staying there. I thought you caught my mic because you didn't agree with me. I thought that was cheap, <laughs> but <laughs> screw this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the episode, guys. <laughs> Sensei, I did I didn't want to wow. I didn't want to it was advise going so you. well. I thought <laughs> you uh, you sparked something in me, man, because uh, I've been competing for a few years now, and uh, I've I've lately been starting to see it as like an obligation like oh i gotta run today i gotta hit the 
oh god, I gotta go to the gym. But it's it's really just about having fun, man. You know, mm -hmm. and I've, I've mm. when you said that, when you asked, are you happy? It was one of the most powerful questions that I've been asked in a long time, you know, yeah. and it's like, am I happy, you know, in the sport right now? Not really. I see mm -hmm. it as a job, you know, but when I, when I was at my best, it was when I loved it. I loved mm. waking up shadow boxing. I loved watching reruns of different fights, you know, mm -hmm. but now it's like, oh, I got to run. I got to do push-ups. I got to do squats, make sure that my leg kicks are good. My shins are conditioned, blah, 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 blah. And I, I just realized by talking to you that that love has been zapped away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and Jerizi talking about this third path, I think you guys might, you know, put me on, on the right path. You know, and I think I, I thank you for that. I appreciate wow. it. Sorry to get all sentimental and deep you know, on this podcast, <laughs> but... But no, really, sincerely, this, I appreciate that. The, uh, behind the scenes, we we meant this to be an intervention, so I'm glad it worked. Out. Well <laughs> yeah, done. We <laughs> yeah, it works, Sensei. It works. Uh, <laughs> boom. <laughs> that's hilarious. Thank you, guys. <laughs> no, that's funny, too, because yeah, I, remember, I mean, uh, remember we spoke about whether or not I'd be competing anymore. Yeah, I'm like, I wanted you know what? to compete. I'm like, I don't think I want to anymore. You know, like, I feel like based on the training after competing, um, I was able to keep, keep up with the competition. And I just feel like I'd rather train and know these techniques and not put my body on the line for, for, for no reason, you know? And I feel like this third path of just having fun and, you know, doing it for the long run and, you know, stay dangerous instead of proving that you're dangerous right now. Yes. I feel like, validates my decision of just I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on training but you know i don't i don't feel the need or i'm not even excited when you try to challenge or be like oh why don't you compete you know yeah but if you want to get down we could get down <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah on on top of that bro um <laughs> man yeah you know like bodily injury that it could happen, you know, even during training, man. And that'll affect your ability to go to work. I mean, if you mm -hmm. don't work at home, it'll affect your ability to go to work, go out, do practical things, you know, like competition is dangerous. And on top of that, I feel like, man, you guys are just, you know, shedding the skin on this, man. I feel like deep down inside, the reason why I compete is, is to prove, you know, not only to myself, but to, to people around me that I am a good fighter. You know, I want to be a winner. But at the end of the day, I think the true win comes from longevity and having a happy life, like Sensei said. <laughs> having a better that's the that's the true win. Regardless yeah. of the of the wins and the losses on on the scorecard on your record, the real win is having a yep. family, being healthy, um, you know, having a good head on your shoulders and being able to be dangerous and defend your family when it when, the, when it arises, right? And yep. I would hate to be in a fight and have my leg chopped off in the fight from leg kicks, and then that next day a burglar comes in and I'm injured. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. like, I want to be ready to take that guy instead of <laughs> the fight before. <laughs> Yeah, you want to be able to defend your wife, man. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, I want to take care of this puppy right here, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, you can be injured even if you're not on a competitive track, and the injuries happen. It's just the nature right. of movement. But on the other hand, if you're not training, you can still. I know lots of people who've had knee replacements who don't train at all. So it's like 
pick your poison. We're all going to die. We're all going to break down. We're all not going to have the body that we wanted when we die. So I would rather keep meeting challenges and push the things that I love and do what I can and take whatever injuries come with that than sit on the couch, not participate, get overweight, you know, start smoking, whatever the heck normal people do, because that's just, that's clearly an unhealthy path. Your training may have made you happy one way because you had a certain set of goals uh, or a certain uh, emotional need at a time. But yes. why would we measure you by that same need when you're five years older or 10 years older? Like you're not the same person. And again, just like I went into Taekwondo, not really knowing what it was, changed my life and then left it because I felt it had done what it needed to do in my life. Competition could be the same thing. You don't have to emerge a champion and be well-known and a legend. You go, I needed to put myself through that process, the discipline of it, the guts to get in there, having people see me, people hearing about what I did or didn't do well. I needed to go through that and still see that I'm, I still know who my friends are. I still know what's important in my life, whether it's my family or my health. Uh, I felt I proved things to myself that I could do that. I could play on that level. Now it doesn't. Now it's just repetitive. Now it becomes a job because mm. I, I keep repeating. But I already learned the lesson. So mm. why, if it's not, if that joy is the, is the measurement. Like if I'm not loving this anymore, there's probably something else that you would enjoy that you're not paying attention to that now you should be getting into. And that could mm. be. I mean, I, and I know for me when I, I think I started BJJ when I was like 39 or 40, and wow. I didn't have to. I was already had a couple black. I was already teaching, and I could have just stayed there. You look and, 39 and or 40. Kept... Oh, thanks. thanks. Yeah, I colored my hair right before we went. The, uh, we, uh, and I got that filter on, my 10-year-old filter. Uh, oh, never mind. The... <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm decrepit. The, uh, but, to, but, but for me, going to tie on a white belt after so many years of not having a white belt mm-hmm. was – freeing like no one's looking to me for the answers i'm anonymous i'm getting my ass kicked and the joy that that brought me and i'm back to crying my car like what the i thought i was over these things what is this (laughs) gotta go back and research things on youtube and what did he do i'll I'll show him and like all I, i started like the whole cycle again of like oh i thought i was over some of these issues and no i have a whole other level to go uh and i still take bjj because of that it's just like ah constantly getting humbled and start over right. again so absolutely if the competition has served its purpose and you've proved what you needed to prove and you've learned what you needed to learn then hurry up get to the next challenge go tie in a white belt in some other style or go try some other methodology switch up your routine and uh follow the joy follow the part that stimulates you so that when you wake up you said oh i used to wake up and like oh boy I get the shadow box well what is it going to take for you to wake up again and go first thing in my mind that's what i want to do Follow that, whatever that is in your head. Um, mm-hmm. Presuming it's, uh, hey, you want to be a stripper, be a stripper. I don't know what it is, but if it's martial arts related, then I can relate. I don't know. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> Stop. Oh, there it is. I can't wait to watch that new series on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and make a hamburger shake. Jeez. <laughs> Dragon planks. You know, you know what, though? <laughs> that, that almost goes back to... I feel like people get lost in what they're doing and they forget the why, you know, sometimes yeah. yep. like martial arts, it's, it's not, I, I love the video you made about all martial artists or like it's they 
martial artists are weirdos you know like we shadow box in the shower (laughs) (laughs) true that we 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 spar trees you know we have sword hands (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah i mean like we we put ourselves out there to get beat up in front of everybody you know what i mean we sometimes we pay to do that um and sometimes the, the the martial arts life or journey sometimes people are only on that journey for like a few years sometimes mm-hmm. um like the athletes you know like a basketball player that did celebrity boxing they end up winning that oh, i want to do this for a little bit more get a wake-up call and they're like ah, i don't want to do this anymore get into another venture you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's like it's about your why so i feel like the people yep. um I, I hate to bring this back but it's cool the third path people their whys are more long-lasting of, you know, I'm probably going to do this every day opposed to the people are like, oh, I'm just here to win a championship, you know, make some money, mm-hmm. take care of my family or prove to everybody I'm the best. But even then, like, um, as far as the winning, losing, who's a winner, who's a loser, who's successful, sometimes you're the champion and you're unhappy. And sometimes the person who's training in Thailand, the, the, the 12-year-old over there, he's the happiest kid, you know? probably has a losing record like you Kyle but in in better in better spirits than the champ sometimes you know what i mean so sure. when you put when you put that in perspective a champion who has the cars all the girls the belts but he's sad and depressed and you have the tight kid who's like 12 years old um super happy trains and then you know is very minimalist and enjoys everything who's successful there is it a or b right. You know John I mean? Jones, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about perspective, I guess. Yeah. The Coke, <laughs> the hit and runs. Yeah, dude, John Jones. But yeah, um, I feel like it's your why. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take a look. At, yeah, exactly. Why are you doing it? And uh, what are your measurements? What are the measurements? Are you using, if you're using other people's measurements for your happiness right. and success, you're already off on the wrong path, which is where right. the meditation or the float tank or quiet time, the reflection period, where you just can sit with yourself and go, who am I? What do I want? Why do I want it? And am I getting it from what I'm doing every day? Am I getting it? And when you answer any one of those questions, it will change the next thing that you do. Because you're like, I'm not I'm not getting what I want. Oh, okay, well, what are you doing? Well, we better change a couple of those things. Or I'm getting some of it, but I think I should have more of that. Okay, well, then you're going to have to go back and tinker with your daily routine. What do you have to tinker with? But if you're mm-hmm. listening uh, listening to other people and they're saying, oh, man, you're competing. Oh, man, you go get them. Go win. Go win. And it's like, yeah, win, win. That Then you'll like me because you're telling me I should go win. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just got sucked into your agenda. You don't even know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. You, you didn't even ask me why am I competing. Mm-hmm. Um, that always bothered me. Like any kind of training, uh, it happens to me all the time. I think I talked about a podcast a long time ago. I was at, a, I was at a, it happens all the time, but you know, I'll be at a mm-hmm. heavy bag when I used to go to a public gym and uh, hitting the heavy bag invariably. Uh, some guy will come over and go, "We are you doing that? You should do it like this." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Um, <laughs> those guys, ah, those guys, those right? Guys. Or you're over, God forbid, you're doing some kind of kata or something. And, oh, hey, you're doing that wrong. You should do it like this. And you're like, "Oh, really?" And what always bothered me is like, if you just asked, like, ask me first before you tell me what I'm doing wrong. You don't. Sometimes I'll go to a heavy bag and pretend like I have a broken arm. Like, oh man, somebody hit me with a baseball bat. 
Let's just see what I can do with like one arm. Can I still protect myself? Mm-hmm. You don't know that I'm thinking that. Right. So you'll look at me and go, man, that guy's, this technique sucks. Like, so weird. Arms, <laughs> what the hell? I'm like, so don't come over and tell me how to throw a jab. Come over and say, dude, what are you doing? And then mm-hmm. if we're if I like your tone, I'll say, oh, I'm and as you do come kind, of, kind of weird. I'm pretending like this arm's busted and I'm trying to swing this one. And they go, oh, okay, I didn't know what you're doing. It looked like you just sucked. And it's like, well, I'm not saying I don't <laughs> suck, but <laughs> ask me before you critique me. And that's the same right. for anything. Like, oh, you're competing. Oh, go get him, man. Yeah, go. Yeah, you'll be the champ. It's like, don't don't say any of that shit to me. I don't ask me if I want to be champ. Like, why am I competing? Well, right. that's interesting. You're gonna put your body on the line. That's really hard. What what are, you, what are you doing it for? What's what's your reason there? Uh, mm-hmm. You just like it? Is it fun? Are you trying to prove something? Do you want money? Or did someone? Did you lose a bet? There's a lot of different <laughs> reasons you could be involved in. Is your teacher making you? Is it part of a belt requirement? What what's the deal? Um, you gotta just ask, <laughs> and then at least ask yourself like, why am I doing this? Is it because my dad wanted me to? Is it because I'm trying to prove something to my kids? And my there's so many. Is my is my girl thinks I'm a loser? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying what your reason should be, but you should know. Like you said, you should know your why. And uh, God, I hope it's your own. Don't right. don't do it for someone yeah. else's why, because then life is short. It's hard enough to please yourself, let alone please all the people around you. You be that's that's a phantom chase. Don't do that. Yes. Yeah, sit with yourself, restructure everything. And you should do that regularly, like every year, two years. Uh, you know, sit down and go, okay, where am I? Is this where I want to be? Where do I want to go? How do I get there? And then reassess. Who are your teachers? What's your routine? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? And uh, I find that there's always something to tinker with, uh, which makes it fun. That's for me when I wake up. That's the thing. It's like, all right, I'm not exactly where I want to be. What should I do today? How can I tinker a little bit? What can I experiment with and play around with to see if I get better results? And um, it's endless. <laughs> yeah. It's a very great challenge. Yeah. I read this book called, um, I think it's called Mastery of Self Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. And he talks about your worldview and your vision um, and how it's in the planet. There's a lot of different collective visions and how everyone has to live their own authentic personal visions. So let's talk about martial arts right now, right? All three of us, even though we've been talking for, for an hour, all three of us, despite agreeing on, on, on the similar level, we still have three different perspectives of martial arts despite agreeing on all the, all the concepts that we've agreed on and having this discourse. Um, as far as life and your, and your um, outlook on life, all three of us have a different outlook on life. And we, we all have our own personal outlook on life, and we also have a collective outlook on life that we all three agree, agree on. So what happens sometimes is some people like to force their visions onto you and try to make you adopt their visions and turn that community vision into your own personal vision. And it's kind of up to you to realize that, not necessarily reject it, but but make your vision outlast theirs. You know what I mean? So that you're just like Bruce Lee expressing yourself, not expressing other people. So I love yeah. how this tries down. And just like I said, Bruce Lee's the glue to this conversation. It's, it's crazy how everything comes back to him. <laughs> yep, yep. I made a vow. Don't mention Bruce Lee. And that's, that worked out very well. (laughs) (laughs) If I may ask you, Sensei, what is, what is a daily, what's your daily routine like once you wake up in the morning? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I just moved from uh, Raleigh to LA, back to LA. And um, 
I spent two years, almost two years in Raleigh. And so my routine there, I was part of a BJJ club and a Tai Chi club. And now that I'm back uh, in my old stomping grounds, I just got here Sunday. <clears throat> so I found myself immediately, as soon as I got here, falling into my COVID routine. Uh, we went into lockdown. I just started waking up early naturally before any kind of clock because I was like, wake up at 5.30. And I just, like Rocky, just kind of put on the sneakers and just kind of went out and just went into the streets because you couldn't go to the gym. You couldn't go to the, the school anymore. And I just spend, I don't take a watch. So lately this whole week, that's what I've been doing. I get up, even if it's raining, and you just I just go out like kind of that slow Rocky run, Rocky one, and just kind of be on the streets. And I'll drop this morning, just drop and did like sets of push-ups. Next morning, do a set of squats. Next set, do push-ups and kind of just keep going. And then we ended up over at the park. And uh, there's a telephone pole there that I used to always spend some time with and did a little work with the telephone pole and then <laughs> did a little meditation work and then did some flexibility work, did some kicks, did a little shadow boxing. And then eventually uh, called my wife and said, can you come get me because I just don't feel like doing this anymore. <laughs> so, so that's a weird answer, but that was the honest answer from today. And mm-hmm. so right now, I mean, it's it's that organic. I mean, in my car, which I usually take to the park for my, my COVID training now that I'm between schools and things. So my trunk uh, has got, you know, four sets of dumbbells. It's got sticks. It's got swords. It's got a, a staff. It's got um, medicine balls. It's got, uh, you know, chucks. It's got everything in there. So I basically mm-hmm. just get to the park, open up the trunk, and just – it's more about time for me now. I just give me – hey, I'm going to go a couple hours to the park. Go – and just start playing and just start working. And then when I now that I'm back and get to some clubs here again and get some partners, get some private lessons going again, so I'll be able to touch with people again. That would be better. But um, but generally, yeah, I mean, I always do something every day for ever since I started as a teen. I do something every day. And um, I believe in sweat. I believe in maxing out your heart rate at least once as part of your session. Like go full, whether that's a yeah. sprint or whether it's burnout with punches or something <laughs> full. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, and nowadays, these last 10 years, increasingly, I'm doing a lot more of that reflection, meditation, John Zhuang type stuff, um, the internal stuff, which um, as you get older, stereotypical, but uh, there's a lot of wisdom in it. And I wish I'd come into it earlier, although I wouldn't have appreciated it back then. So like, like I said before, you can't know where it's going. Just start with mm-hmm. something and you're going to need that piece. Get that piece and then see where it leads you. And I guess I shouldn't complain that it took me this long, but now that I'm into it, it's uh, it definitely is changing everything for me. All that stuff, Beautiful. the internal stuff. The Tai Chi, I, a few years ago, I actually went to like a meetup group and I practiced Tai Chi. And a lot of people who, you know, are in competitive path of martial arts, <laughs> yeah. they really bash on Tai Chi. But like I said, if you're a great student, you can learn from anything. And I'll tell you what, Tai Chi really works on your foot planning and your balance of stance. Like, I feel like you don't really get that with any other martial arts training because it's all fast pace and fight speed. But when you slow it down to like the Tai Chi movement and pace, even if it's just like a, you know, a rest day or like an active recovery um, training activity that you do, really beneficial and i feel like it also translates into your skills so that's that's cool that you also do tai chi sensei yeah i mean the tai chi is a whole other thing and i'm I'm not deep enough into it to speak authoritatively on it so i I will say that up front but i will Mm -hmm. say that it depends on who's teaching the tai chi like any art um Mm -hmm. especially tai chi because it is philosophical and it is 
at the senior center and there are these other versions of it that are not necessarily martial so it's become this kind of catch-all like oh it's tai chi well there's a difference <laughs> between tai chi and tai chi chuan and then you've got different teachers and some who were hard asses when they were younger and then found what tai chi was filling in for them versus people who've only done tai chi maybe never touched anybody there's so many different approaches to tai such a huge term the like yoga yoga could be quick hard and very uh, pump get a pump with your you know speed yoga or it could be hot yoga or it could be very slow like two hour workout or it could be a lifestyle it could be Again, it's, it could be anything. Yoga is such a general term. You got to get deeper into those questions like, what do you mean by yoga? Mm -hmm. So Tai Chi is to me, even one of those things. But even if you just take it as slowing down, yes, that can profoundly change how you do things. Um, but it is more than that. At least the Tai Chi thing is even more than that. It's not just slowing down, which absolutely has powerful effects on what you're doing. Um, there is a, a philosophy to it and a strategy to it that is a little different than what other people do, um, generally speaking. And it's a little more sophisticated. It's a little more, oh, erudite. Like, mm, this is for the smaller, weaker guy trying to get an up, uh, some type of upper hand on a bigger, stronger guy. So hmm. oh, I, I, I've been very impressed with it enough that I'm still uh, participating as much as I can. Um, but yes, even if you just slow down, system is the same thing. It's like uh, I would call that an internal art, even though they would probably say that they're not Chinese art, it's a Russian art. But the methodology, again, of slowing things down works the brain in a different way and allows for a different type of learning. And as long as I, in my personal opinion, as long as you're balancing it out with some explosive work, then you got the best of both worlds. Um, I don't believe in just one or the other. I think they complement one another, like most mm -hmm. things in life opposites yin yang that's the tai chi part of it right so if you're only doing tai chi slowly then you're not doing good tai chi and if mm -hmm. you're only doing explosive stuff you might be missing out on some of the mechanics of your body even let alone philosophical things that could fill in some gaps particularly as you get older and you can't be as explosive as you want to be anymore it, it balances out you need the full spectrum if you want to really keep going with this stuff well said so tai chi is is it I mean, as far as a layman's description of Tai Chi, it's pretty much honing your uh, subtle energy forces and being able to direct it, correct? Huh. Well, those words, you know, we have to start start by defining terms. What do you mean by energy, subtle yeah. energy? Well, you know. chi, chi, like like the chi, yeah. like the energy. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 what is the definition of chi? It's like a, your life force, right? Life force. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what's chi your whatever you want it to be the what's your definition sensei of chi you know. <laughs> that's a work in progress i'm still exploring i mean obviously you hear about chi or ki when i was doing aikido i mean it's it's it comes up constantly and mm -hmm. obviously there's some people who take it way too far one way and other people who dismiss it entirely and i just like to say that's a work in progress for right now what it means for me is different from what other people might think it means and I, it doesn't really matter what it matters is what can you do? What can you do? If I, if we, if we're touching hands, we're wrestling. Either you can move me and control me in some way and make me lose my plan, or you can't. If mm -hmm. what you're doing, you want to call chi, it's working for you. That's your chi, great. Uh, <laughs> if if you're if you can, if you can fill a whole book with what chi is and draw me diagrams and tell me stories <laughs> yeah. and show me exercises and I can punch right in the face, and you go right down. I'm I'm not as impressed with your <laughs> lectures. <laughs> 
I'm so, not impressed by your performance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I don't even like, you know, again, I'm, I'm still newer to the Tai Chi world and the internal arts, basically. But um, for me, it's just being more effective. Uh, the internal arts, if I, I am, I feel more effective in what I'm doing across the board. And if you want to call that the addition of more chi development in my life, okay, mm. I won't, I won't say no, it's not. But uh, I, I would never be. I'm not going to go out and write a book called "How to Build Your Chi." I do have, I do have a course called "Chi for Self Defense" uh, or "Qigong for Self Defense," um, but that's really more of a mechanical thing, just about breathing. Because in one way that those characters can be read, it's really like breath work. Um, and so, if you start with that, I just I, I say at the beginning of that video, just like, look, I'm not getting into anything woo woo here. It's just like let's just look at that character as air breath. And uh, how can you control your breath while you're in a self-defense situation? How can we maximize some of our breath uh, exercise to make our techniques more efficient? So if you just take chi to mean that, chi gong, working on your chi, working on your breath, that's pretty easy. We can all agree on that. That's worth something. Just call it cardio or different breathing techniques when you're uh, striking. Mm-hmm. If you want to go beyond that and say, well, it's a pot of rice and there's steam and there's change and there's... Uh, controlling change in others, and they're okay. Well, now we're getting into a whole other thing, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to talk about that on camera. Sensei, it, it looks like, uh, like like Jerizi said, it's it's very meditative, and I think I know what he means by by chi and that transfer of energy. Because w- when those old ladies are doing it in the park, they're they're doing, you know, this this kind of stuff, right? They're doing this kind of stuff. I'm not so. going to say right. <laughs> You're doing that, right? <laughs> but I mean, with, with, with not I mean, exactly that. But yeah. <laughs> no disrespect. No disrespect to the art, but it's like it looks like they're they're trying to transfer energy from different parts of their body, and I think what in, in from from my understanding, chi is like where your attention goes right so wherever you're mm. let's say let's say you're doing um bicep curls right in order to optimize the effectiveness of of the the workout you have to use proprioception and i think what that word means in, in medical terms is like where you put your attention to in your body so is that kind of the premise like like putting your attention towards certain tools of your it certainly can't hurt uh i believe there's a saying that the chi follows the e or the e which is like your intention so Mm. where your intention Ah. goes that's where your energy goes so that's like the the idea of like tackling through somebody or punching through a board as opposed to just to the board my intention is to go through there so my energy will travel better that way so Mm -hmm. um again this is not my deep area of expertise but there's definitely something to be said about slowing down allows you to be aware of more of what you're doing. And that I think is very powerful. And you're moving all explosively all the time. You need a coach to say, Whoa, you know, did you mm. notice that you're dropping your hand when you, when you punch, you drop your hand a lot or do you yeah. do that round kick? You drop your shoulder too much. You're like, I didn't even notice. Right. Because you're doing everything really fast and explosively. So how could you notice your body's just trying to build a habit and just, that's all you all you're giving it time to notice. When you slow down, you notice you can notice everything, depending on how slowly you go. Or again, just standing still, holding a posture, just hold it for an hour, and 
go deep into what do I notice about my body? You know, go into a position, just hold out a jab for a half an hour and just hold that. Um, to me, that was a long I, time. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's right. The longer than you've ever done it before. Therefore, it will open up ideas and revelations that you've never had before. To right. me, that would be a nutshell way of talking about the internal process. Anyone can just come and go, bang. And you can even say, well, slow down. Okay, bang. But how about you just touch the bag and put your fist on it? Right. I'm going to stand for 10 minutes. And Perfected. I'm just going to start noticing, where is my weight in my feet mm-hmm. down there? How is that supporting my wrist? Why is my neck tense right now? Why, okay, my right shoulder's starting to burn. This deltoid's starting to burn. Why is that shoulder high? Or should I sink my shoulder? You start having time to ask questions and analyze and refine and maybe unwire some bad habits. Well, because I was always fearful when I throw that punch. Say, well, I'm not fearful now. Can I throw the punch without being fearful? How does that change the feeling in my arm? Oh, how does that change my hip position now? Everything just starts one thing after another. You're starting to pull that thread on that sweater and everything unravels. Right. And now you can rebuild it maybe better. So that to me would be a real... Yeah, that's a lot in there. If anybody was listening at this point, <laughs> that was a lot beautiful. In there if, you, if you take that apart and play with that idea, and I would mm-hmm. challenge you. I mean, that's literally how I started. I first started getting to that. I it was uh, just standing for an hour. I would just go out and just stand, find a spot, and just stand still for an hour. And it sounds ridiculous, but go do it. And if you think it's easy, go do that. Right. Oh, I had to make a stand still for an hour. Can you? <laughs> Can you go? Go, give me, let me know how that goes. It's really hard. Um, and it's not just like, well, the physical, I mean, it's not that hard. It's depending on how they have very intricate positions you can get into that are harder. Go to a horse stance for 20 minutes. Okay. Hard. <laughs> yeah. But if it's just standing naturally, uh, now where does your mind go? This is the float tank type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. but now I'm balancing. Now I'm starting to notice my body. Why do I want to give away answers? But just do those types of things and different new things come to you that are challenging, just as challenging as like, I'm trying to do a personal best on a bench press, you know, things that we all measure. I'm just, how fast can I spin this rope or whatever? Um, stand still. Can you balance on How long can you balance on one foot? Why? Why did you fall after three minutes? Why? Oh, I guess something in my back. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> whatever you so figure good. out is going to help you when you kick. <laughs> it's interesting that you said, Oh, chi. Yeah, sure. If you want to call it energy, sure, whatever. Because it almost alludes to chi or that philosophy of what it is kind of being a placebo effect. And we had a conversation about placebo effect and how it might be a more magical term than it's made out to be. Because, Mm. I mean, right now, I feel like when you say placebo, people think, oh, it's a fake thing and you believed it. But if you really break it down, that's your mind making it real, you know? And it's interesting because some of those things that you mentioned of like, oh, do a horse stance or or stand on the ground, I'll try to pick you up. It's easy to pick that person up. But when you tell them to imagine their feet being planted into the ground like roots, it's significantly harder to pull that person up. Whether that's actual projection of energy, chi, or it just takes right. you to visualize that your roots are down down deep into the ground like that, and that somehow signals your body to be grounded more. Yeah. 
whether whether that whether that's chi energy yeah. or whether you want to believe that, whatever. But you've proven to me that you can yeah. effectively get stronger and be heavier. Um, so yeah. I like how you base the metrics off. I don't care what you say about it. What can you do when it's time to be tested? Right. Amen. A hundred percent. Right. Beautiful. Just like, uh, like everything else we were talking about, uh, either you're getting happier and more peaceful and more successful in your life or you're not. And you could call it a million things. Oh, I'm on the diet right now. And I can, I look, I read this book and I follow all these rules and I can tell you all these new terms that I learned. And yeah, but you're gaining weight, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm mm. on this diet. It's great. You <laughs> yeah. should read this book. It's great. Dude, you got an eclair in your mouth right now while you're talking to me. What are you What are you doing? It's like you, <laughs> well, there's listen. plenty of people who talk about stuff, but they're not doing it. And in some ways, you know, this is kind of a, a new revelation for me. It's like all of the all the advice you've ever heard, whether it's from a philosopher or a martial arts teacher, it's premature that they tell you anything. You have to just go live life. You have experiences. After you have the experience, you go, ah, do you know what I've just realized? This. But now you take this that came out of an experience, you take it to your student and go, let me tell you something, buddy, this. And they go, oh, that. But it's it doesn't mean anything to them because they haven't lived it. So mm -hmm. then they start trying to create what you told them is real, but they can't because they haven't had that experience. So yeah. it's like philosophy only makes sense after you've had the experience that we go, isn't that true? <laughs> it mm -hmm. doesn't really help me. And that's what I've learned. Like I was trying to get ahead of the game by learning philosophy early. Like, oh, I understand the universe now. You're going to explain the Tao to me. It's like, dude, <laughs> what you need to do is go lose your temper many times and see what happens in your life. And also be quiet too many times and see what happens in your life. And then with the pain of those experiences, you put together a philosophy, you go like, there's a time to be a wild man and there's a time to just shut up. And I'm wiser now about when to use those powers. And I didn't know that when I learned it the first time when I read it 20 years ago. And then, oh, well, I see yin yang. You're supposed to have both. They're like, okay, I got it. You don't have it. You got to go live it. So that's why I don't care what anybody says about anything. If we touch it, you can go make me jump or make me fall or something. I go, whoa, that's really cool. What is that? Oh, it's this. Mm -hmm. It's that. Like, okay, call it whatever you want. Show me what you did to get that skill. <laughs> Right. And then I'll go play with it, and then when I'll call it whatever I want. <laughs> or, oh, it matches yours, so I, out of respect, I'll call it what you said, teacher. But you got to go do the work. That's why Bruce Lee, again, the grinding, all the answers are in the practice. All the answers are in the sweat. Yeah. All the answers are in the doing. It's I've given up now. People always say, well, what book should I read? What's your favorite yeah. book? It's like, forget it. Go, go <laughs> run. Go punch something. Go fight with somebody. That's what you want to do. Don't go read anything. So Reading will be when you're older and you're tired and you can sit down and look at a book and go, yeah, this is right. This guy's got it right. Yep, this guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't help. Beforehand, uh, forget it. Go do shit. <laughs> speaking, yeah. speaking of philosophy. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to I was going to switch to um, his philosophy background. Talk about stoicism, maybe. Yeah, sure. You ready? Um I'm Sensei, what does is, what is memento mori mean to you? Yeah, remember that we're all going to die, you know, and uh, <laughs> make the most out of your life while you can, uh, for sure, right? Uh, Sensei uh, Jesse at uh, Jesse Enkamp there, uh, he, he put that in an interview, and I interviewed him. He brought that up. Is this kind of like guiding force? Um, mm. That's a good one, right? Life is short, uh, so make the most of it while you can. Yeah. We we wanted to go sure. into this with you because we, we believe we, we have a – uh, shout out to Anderson, but uh, 
yeah, we we strongly believe that that philosophy, stoicism, especially, really ties into martial arts. So, what yeah. is your what is your take on stoicism? Hundred uh, percent. Absolutely, it's kind of I think it's grown in so much popularity. It's not even original now to say, oh, I'm a stoic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> the reason, it, the, yeah, the reason it helps uh, for me personally, my interpretation of it is simply to not take everything personally. In a fight, that will get you killed. Yeah. If and that could be literally pain. Like, oh, you take a shot, you're like, oh, you feel bad. Yeah. You feel like you're you flashback some childhood memory. Yeah, you're freaking out, or all that works against you. None of that helps. If you could be like Mr. Spock and just take the punch and have no emotion about it, that's the calm and the chaos that we were talking about earlier. That's the goal. I want to have a situation where if I'm in a car crash, if I'm shot, if there's three guys with machetes. And I respond exactly the same to all of them. And it shouldn't feel any different than me just playing ping pong or sleeping, uh, waking mm -hmm. up and just feeling good. Um, I need to get to that optimal state in my life through my training. Training gives me a chance to be under pressure and find my optimal state. And that to me is stoic. It doesn't mean I'm a machine. I have no emotions. It means I'm controlling them so they don't get yes. in my way when I need to do something. So, um, so I can be clear-headed enough to know when do I need fire, when do I need water, and when do I need to still float to make my decision a little bit longer. Like, wait, now switch. Now more water, now more fire. Emotions get in the way of that process of judgment, and then um, you end up making bad decisions. Doesn't mean you always lose. Doesn't mean you're going to die every time. It's not that dramatic, but it could. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're just trying to better the odds. Everything in self-defense is about just bettering your odds. There is no magic bullet. There is no 100% protection. Oh, that technique's better than that technique. Doesn't matter. Anything can work and everything cannot work. It depends on what's going on. So to me, the stoicism is really just another way of saying objectivity of just mm -hmm. don't see everything. Oh, it's about me. It's about me and my feelings. Yeah. No, no, no. There's a situation here. Doesn't care about your feelings. Right. Bad guy hurting this person. I'm in the middle. I can alter their structure this way cause them fear cause them pain stay cool see the exit get that weapon do what i have to do not be hesitating or scared or or excited just get the job done there's some real merit to just getting things done and not worrying that's why i like washing dishes i like chopping wood i like washing a car i like chores chores give you a chance to be stoic most of the time if you look at your you're like, oh, this place is a mess. Sure. I got to clean it up. Again, you're like, ah, oh, you have an emotional attachment to doing something that's actually good for, for you. Yeah, but you have like this true. negative attachment to it because you feel like you have to. Whereas you can go, okay, I'm probably not going to be in a fist fight today, but I want to clean this room. But I'm going to detach myself from the emotions of that, and I'm just going to get it done. And you just, just proceed, take the actions, get it done, and you'll find it gets done very efficiently wasn't a big deal and now you're free to do your day and you didn't have to go down and some put it off procrastinate <laughs> drink a beer as a reward you know whatever it's like what are you doing man it's just what it's it's cleaning your room how are you gonna react now and there's a fight some guys calling you names making ethnic slurs and you're like mm -hmm. whoa how dare you don't you know whatever it's like no 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 if you can't clean your room you can't fight <laughs> very yeah. well you need to be able to just step back see everything uh as an observer and just uh, and I think you have better decision making as a result. So yes, stoicism is a helpful school of thought for that. I think. Yeah, and awesome. I I really see the symbiotic relationship of stoicism and martial arts. 
like this um the a video of yours that I watch about self-defense being that exactly defense from yourself and <laughs> I, I love that video and pretty much what Thank it talks about it. is yeah some of the impulses that you have you know like let's say Kyle you're trying to quit smoking you get an urge to to to, to smoke a cigarette mm-hmm. you need to build a defense from yourself and your own habits before you can go and defend yourself against somebody else. You know what I mean? And that kind of builds into stoicism to where, you know, you don't try to, stoicism really doesn't really try to change the world. They try to change their world first, you know, and they live authentically, you know, like if I have a flaw and I'm aware of it, I'm going to address that flaw. Um, Or I'm just going to be happy and live with that flaw. Point is I'm going to either live or leave, leave it. You know, live yeah, with it or leave it. So beautiful. martial arts and, and defense, the self-defense being actually being able to defend yourself from yourself. I felt like that was really insightful. And I feel like that really ties in with stoicism and just being real with yourself, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. I thank you so much for watching videos. I love that. <laughs> wow. Sensei, thank you so much. <laughs> Sensei, if I may ask you, um, please, when you, when you were studying, I'm sorry, I should have said that earlier. Just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ando. Um, Mr. Master. Ando, <laughs> Master Ando, Coach Ando. Oh, no, Master no, no, Sensei. no, not on my way. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. When you were, when you were studying philosophy, um, I mean, you did it for a reason. Obviously, it doesn't pay the bills, right? But yeah. were the were the Stoics and Marcus Aurelius the ones that stood out to you? Were there any like specific philosophers mm-hmm. that that really changed your your life? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. What a great question! You guys are the best. Let me tell you right now. You guys <laughs> He's a are philosophy the best. major. Like, yeah. welcome to the K podcast, baby. <laughs> Holy smokes! <laughs> best podcast ever. Um, <laughs> The uh, yeah, I was a mark. I was in a class once. I didn't formally take like a stoicism class, but there was a professor who started this. I don't want to get into all the what the issue was abortion, but um, he started mapping. <laughs> he started mapping out like the moral you know ethos about abortion and this whole thing. And he started with a premise that I thought was wrong. And I'm just a college kid. I don't know anything. But I just kind of raised my hand. I said, yeah, but you you said we were starting with nothing. You started with that premise. And I think that's wrong. It makes sense. And he he kind of went back and forth with me a couple times until eventually he just ignored me. He was stoic. And he just forget me. And he went on with his lecture (laughs) and everything was fine. But what's cool is like after the lecture, this guy comes up to me and he goes – what you said in that room, I bet you're going to love this book. And he gave me the meditations by Marcus Aurelius. He just had it. And, and he was so right. And I was, I, I I don't know who that guy was. If you're listening, odds are you aren't, but that was a really pivotal moment because I didn't know what it was at that point. When he gave that to me, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, thanks weirdo. I don't know what, what, why are you you asking me out now? What is this? But, um, Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> because it was an, it's an odd thing. I don't know where it's, I, you're going to like this book. It was like a religious guy giving you materials. Like, I wasn't sure what it was, but I was wrong because when I started paging through it, I was like, ooh, this is good. This is not what I usually think. Oh, this is really interesting. So that opened up the door. So, yeah, Marcus Aurelius, for one. Uh, Kierkegaard, I was a big fan of Kierkegaard because he was very passionate and personal in his writing. He wasn't speaking in general terms about life out there. He was like talking about himself. <laughs> Just, here's me. Descartes, 
for the same reason mm-hmm. as the Stoics, because uh, he the, his meditations he writes about starting from scratch, trying to just sit in a chair, turn off everything, anything that he knows in his head, consider it a lie, and just wipe out everything he knows and see if he can rebuild his knowledge base. And I just thought that was the coolest way to start a book. Like, let's start with nothing. Let's just wipe out everything and see what we can build from that. So, um, yeah, so Dick Carr and Kierkegaard and Marcus Aurelius were definitely three of my my favorites um, that I can still remember their names. So that's that's the proof. <laughs> what, what do you think the about guys? Nihil- I don't remember. What do you think about nihilism? Um, well, specifically, what do you mean? Let's let me define terms. That's what I've learned in debate. I, I, I've dipped my feet into Frederick Nietzsche. I don't really know too much about it, but I know he descent, he descended into madness. He wrote a lot about nihilism and how, you know, he felt how purposeless this life was and how meaningless this, this world can be. Um, yeah. There, there are times where I fall into that mindset. I'm sure a lot of people do, you know, especially with everything going on, the climate of politics and everything going on in the world. But do you, do you ever? What do you think about nihilism? You know, me, like the meaning of life. Like, like what is what is your stance on that? How do you? You seem like a very positive guy. Clearly, you, you, sure. Your channel is about having a better life through martial arts, but I'm sure you deal yeah. with, you know, because I'm nihilistic at heart. So I have to fight to be exactly. happy. That's the point. Exactly. You, you preach what you need to learn. Exactly. I mean, you know that by now. What an answer. Uh, if I was, oh my goodness. If I was a happy guy, I wouldn't have to go around with a smiley face on my shirt talking about <laughs> how to find a happy life. This is for the people who are not happy and have to find a way to get through it. <laughs> so 100%. Um, the other thing, the, my, I remember my takeaway on Nietzsche was that he was a pretty sickly guy and I think not a very empowered guy. So he had to write a lot of big, crazy stuff just to feel powerful. I remember that was Mm. kind of one of my thoughts as I left him and just thought maybe he didn't really believe all this stuff. This is, this is a a little guy who didn't feel like he had much going on and just said, look at me, look at these crazy extreme statements. And so I didn't take him too seriously, but, um, but that doesn't mean that that thought doesn't exist. And, uh, and again, I would just say, I do believe he is credited with talking about, uh, you know, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. I think he said that. I think Mm -hmm. he also said something about the, he's the one who said, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of idea. Um, I think he said that. So, and I believe in those things and that's all cool. Um, But basically, look, how long have you stared into the abyss? There's no meaning to life. What's that? How long have you stared into the abyss? If you don't mind me asking. (laughs) That's what the, back at you. uh, that's what the meditation is. That's that's the float tank. That is the void. Mm-hmm. That is the. That's true. That is the turning off, and separating yourself and detaching from everything, to see what's still there. That is that brave step into the void. To see what's really you. If you take away all your favorite clothes, if you take away your habits, and oh, I train here and I do this, and I went to school there. These are my friends. That's my girl. You take away all that stuff, and you just strip it down to just your soul if you like whatever mm-hmm. that's the void it's just you now in the void if you are yeah. still comfortable in that state now you can build something powerful and that's the optimal state that i was kind of loosely talking about before if you feel if you feel that your confidence and your happiness comes from well i have this rank um but we all know ranks are pretty much meaningless. That doesn't mean anything. You, you gave yourself a certificate or a title or someone gave it to you. That doesn't make you you. If you lose your legs, 
and all you ever knew yourself was as a roller skater or as a kicker, and now you lose your legs, and now your whole life is off when you're in a depression, then you weren't comfortable in the void to begin with because you identified yourself with something that has an attachment to the world. You needed your legs to be happy. I need that rank to be happy. I need this much money per month to be happy. I need to be in a relationship with that girl to be happy, which will all fail you. The girl will leave you. You will spend that money. The economy will turn. You will lose your health. You will lose your legs. Something, don't, you can't control any of that. All you can control, back to the void or back to self-control, is like nothing. You control the nothingness of you, of your soul. So when you strip it all away, can you be comfortable and happy in that state? And if you can, now anything you choose to add to yourself is just fun. It's like, mm. it's fun to teach martial arts. Do I have to? No. Do I like pie? Yeah. I choose to say I like pie. Do I need it to live and be happy? No. Do I need anything? No. And that mm. would be the ultimate optimal right. state that puts you in a stoic mindset that if some guy comes up to you with a knife, he goes, aha. That would be a weird attacker, by the way. Nobody attacks like that. <laughs> that was some 1940s pirate movie. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> what? Get out of here. But if someone, you know, if someone serious got serious and comes into your car with a knife, when you can look at him from the perspective of, dude, I'm in the void. I don't need, I don't even, I don't need anything to be happy or to feel safe or to feel cool. So if you think you're going to scare me right now with your blade, uh, no. And I just for fun now, I'm going to defend myself because I got stuff I'd like to still do <laughs> just by choice. Mm -hmm. Not because I have to, because I want to. It's my life. I feel it was a gift of some kind, so I'm going to use it. So uh, about this knife, here I come. <laughs> and live or die, it's okay because once you're not afraid of the dying because mm -hmm. I don't need it, uh, I don't need the life. I'm okay with death. I'm all right with it. I feel a happy death. Live a happy life and have a happy death. That is the Powerful. ultimate martial arts uh, wisdom. I think that was Da Vinci. Um, I didn't make that up. That was Da Vinci, I think. Uh, <laughs> the secret to a happy death is happy. Uh, one way or the other. I mean, to, to be truly dangerous, you're yes, not afraid of the death. Right. Because the hesitation, I don't want to grab that knife or I'm afraid he's going to shoot or he's going to hit me while I'm trying to hit him. You can't be affected that way. But when I am in the void, when I am the void, the fifth book, I think, of the five rings from Musashi. Like when you mm. embrace the void in you, then you're scary to them. You should be. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like they have attachment. They want your money or they want to embarrass you in front of their friends, whatever it is they want. They've got an attachment to something. And I'm looking back at them like a shark, like, no, I don't need any of this. And now I'm going to choose to dismantle you. Or maybe I'll let you kill me today. I don't know. We'll see what kind of mood I'm in. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The void. There's a lot of power it's in that void. It's interesting because you see it in animals too. Like when you see, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll watch just hunt animal hunts on YouTube. <laughs> and sometimes you see like a deer just stand up to a lion or a tiger. And I feel like that fearlessness almost startles the predator. You know, sure. it shouldn't happen because they're outnumbered and obviously outmatched. But that courage of just, yeah, yeah, I'm outnumbered. So what? You know, let's go. I'm willing yeah. to die. I feel yeah. like you also yeah. see that in UFC when, you know, the underdog yeah. is not supposed like, to like win. the Diaz brothers. Yeah, exactly. Or Adesanya, <laughs> when he said he, he was going to, he was ready to die against Kelvin. Or no, Gassel. even like Alexa Grasso. Oh, that, was a, yeah. that was a good one. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like also what reminds me of that is like Joker, you know, if we're going to go comic book style, like 
Joker, he wasn't afraid to lose anything, and that's literally what made him dangerous to the point where uh, Sensei Ando here in the cave, I like to bash on Batman because I don't think he's a legitimate superhero. I just think <laughs> I he's saw a some of the uh, clips there. Yeah, I saw <laughs> some of that. <laughs> but like, I feel like that's why Joker is a handful for Batman is the fact that he has nothing to lose. And, you know, that makes him so dangerous to the point where, like, I'm willing to kill anybody. I have no emotional attachment to anybody. You have no leverage over me, whether or not to take something hostage or to hold something over me, because I don't care. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like nihilism is, it, it can be the same with the placebo effect term. It could be seen as negative, but there's a way to see that as positive. Like, I feel like oftentimes, and all three of us are really into philosophy. So we're kind of guilty of almost overthinking and looking into things too much. And yeah, sometimes, yeah. as a person who's really into philosophy, when you look too hard into something, sometimes you see more when you take a step back. Right. And, with nihilism, I feel like mm-hmm. if you're too into like being the best martial artist or whatever, and you you adopt a nihilism perspective of hey, it doesn't matter, nothing, no religion or or any like supreme or or um or or higher goal that higher spiritual goal that you have that doesn't really mean anything. It's almost liberating. It's almost like oh well, I could just. Mm do what i want you know what i mean well i didn't feel like training anyway i just want to play games today you know what i mean and momentum that's where you make the most out of your life you have fun instead of going to train and that's the question are you making the most of your life by playing video games or is there a more something that you can create meaning for yourself to me Mm -hmm. the end of my philosophy i stopped studying philosophy when i got out of college because the first philosopher i read you know you start off like the greeks and, uh, and you go, oh, they figured it all out. This is great. Then you read the next generation, the next guy, and he debunks all that stuff and says, no, 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 they had it wrong. It's this. Yeah. And you go, oh, well, of course. Yeah, it's this guy. He got it right. And then the next mm-hmm. generation comes up, no, 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 don't listen to them. It's a hybrid of both of those things. It's this. You go, oh, well, he figured it out. Okay. And by the time that that kept happening over and over again, where I kept getting pulled into another philosophy, like, oh, that's right. Oh, no, that one's right. Then by the end of it, I started realizing, like, kind of the nihilism part like wait a minute nobody's right mm. everybody's wrong and everybody's right if you like in other words there's no meaning to any of this philosophy because yes. there is nothing proven to be 100 correct therefore to your point i am free to create my own philosophy mm-hmm. Love it. and so the problem maybe with nihilism is if it just stops at the there's nothing there there's no meaning no that's just the first step of your life the first mm-hmm. step is to say, you know, there's no meaning to what anybody's given you unless you choose to keep that meaning. And that's the beautiful part of your life when you finally decide, I'm going to choose to make my life meaningful in this way. I'm going to serve others as a volunteer at the hospital. I'm going to be a teacher of martial arts because I get school to see underdogs standing up to bad guys. I'm going to help people with nutritional counseling. I'm going to become a librarian because I think books are important. Whatever it is you choose – God bless you. That's your path. Mm-hmm. But it starts with saying, first of all, I'm not going to get bullied by all, all everyone else's agenda. I'm going to be nihilistic right. in that. Okay, I was raised in this religion, and this teacher always told me I was good at this. And my mom wants me to be that. So I respect all of them. I mean, they have the best interests, but I need to just be nihilistic for a moment ago. I have none of what anybody has ever told me has any meaning at all. I'm starting as a blank mm-hmm. slate, like Descartes. Yeah. I'm starting blank now. 
let me follow my joy, follow my gifts, follow the thing that interests me and makes me feel alive because that's the only chance I have at happiness. Whether I can get what I want and ultimately it doesn't matter, at least I can be on that path. And if martial arts makes me happy or if food makes me happy or if whatever you do makes you happy, great. Stick with that because life is short. So don't get distracted by the other stuff and go after that until it doesn't work for you anymore. And mm -hmm. that's that's beautiful. So stoic or nihilistic is a great first step, but it's yeah. immature. We're still alive. If you're going to be alive, if you really believe there's no meaning, let's kill yourself and be done with it. Great. Mm -hmm. um, that'll make traffic a lot easier around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being in LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you can be mature enough to go like, okay, the first step is to go, I'm going to question what everybody told me, or I'm going to say it's meaningless. Not out of hate, but just because it's not me. I haven't lived it yet. So let me follow what I'm going to do, see where it leads, see if it's not only, if it helps me great. And if it also helps others along the way, I might find even more joy, which is what teaching to me is about. It's like, there's the martial arts part that I like, but the teaching helps other people. And then I figured out that's even better than what making myself happy is like seeing other people change. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. So that's my path. I offer that to everyone else. Like just disregard what everyone's told you, get into that float tank, whatever that means to you. Don't judge it. Be stoic about what you discover when you become in, go into that void. Find that little spark of something that even though nothing means anything, let's presume, if nothing means anything, but you can't get that one thing out of your head like, God damn, I love sponge cake. Oh, I'm going to go back to my void. <laughs> Boy, I just something about sponge cake. It's just so friendly and soft and approachable. Mm -hmm. and I'd like to make some sponge cake today for somebody. <laughs> just think that'd be fun. <laughs> and suddenly you're the sponge cake king. <laughs> and you've got a business and you're so happy because you mm -hmm. figured out life doesn't mean anything, but I chose to make it mean this sponge cake. And now I'm very happy, even though I know you can take it all away. It doesn't mean anything, but I made a choice. and I want to do something with my life because I'm alive. If you're alive, you might you have to do something. So you might as well do whatever means something to you. So that's my long, long answer. On that. Awesome. No, I wanted to build. That off that. I want to build off that. Actually, um, it's also it almost makes me come up with this epiphany that I feel like the key to life is your answer to nihilism, like your response to nihilism, right? Mm. Like, yeah, there is no cause to anything. Yeah. There, there is no grand purpose, but what are you going to do about that? So just, just to recap, Ando, I said sure. the epiphany that I got is I feel like the key to life is your response to nihilism. So yeah, there is no there is no cause to anything. There is no grand purpose or or grand goal or no prize at the end. Despite all that, like what makes you happy? Like knowing all that, what's going to make you continue to be optimistic throughout the day and still be part of society, which is kind of what stoicism is, right? Like knowing knowing the game but, you know, still playing, still playing just still just playing. yes. And and I would even say, let's say whether or not it's true that everything is meaningless, maybe let's say there is a God and let's say there's a moral order. I think you'd end up on the same path. Mm. I think you'd still, if you said, no, there is a God and he gave me this gift and I need to do this with my life to feel fulfilled. It should be the same thing that you found in the void that you decided, you know what? I'd like this thing that I can do. I like doing this. I think it ends up, you're going to get in the same path anyway. So I don't even need to have the religious argument or conversation. Oh, do you believe in God? It's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, gee, 
-hmm. whatever. I don't care if you think there's no meaning or there Mm -hmm. is meaning. Either way, I got to wake up with myself and go, what am I doing today? And does it make me happy? The odds are if it makes me happy, it makes people around me happy because I'm a better person. So I end up on the same path anyway. So it it becomes almost a a waste of time to even talk about it because it's like Mm -hmm. uh, you can be great people who say, I'm doing this for the glory of God. And you say, okay. I'm doing it because life is meaningless, but I got to do something today, and I like doing this. Like, yeah. great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Either way, I think you end up there. Which right, is good I love news. that. It's, it's freeing. I think great. Don't worry, getting all the stuff that you can't know right. Oh, I got to figure out what's the right religion and what's the right God and how should I pray. It's like, dude, if you were meant to know exactly what the answer was for that, it would be known to you. It's not known mm-hmm. to anybody. So therefore, again, it's freeing. It could be whatever you say it is, and as long as you're not hurting somebody or you know then great then go forth and smile and hopefully spread your smile <laughs> i think it's funny too if we want to get biblical like the apostles and the disciples of jesus they were still trying to figure it out you know what i mean like <laughs> they were firsthand there and they were still trying to figure it out so i mean it, it's, a, it's a puzzle wasn't, just wasn't to yeah. everything just to bring everything back to, to nihilism of it reminds me too, just to bring this back to Bruce Lee of Bruce Lee, because he he went on this venture of martial arts, and then he after filling up his cup, he's just like, oh, there's no right style, like there's no like end goal of being the best martial arts. What am I gonna do about it? And I feel like he's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna make my own style, and yeah. that's where Jeet Kune Do happened, right? Which again is not a style; it's mm-hmm. a framework. You know, right. that's where it gets weird as an observer when I was like, oh, okay, here's Bruce Lee. He says Jeet Kundo intercepting fist, and then he still says like at the end of that uh, those notes, like whoever assembled those notes, I think it was Dan and Linda together. Um, I don't know them. I, I use their first names like I know them. You know Dan and Linda. <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, but I think they wrote uh, they, they, the last part of that book. I th- the collection of notes says something like it's just a name. Don't fuss over it. You know, use mm. the paper to clean up a mess that's better used for that. And um, that always stuck with me too. It's like. Right. So when you see people doing, well, I do Jeet Kune Do, right off the bat, I go, no, you're not, because right off the bat, (laughs) if you're doing Jeet Kune Do, it just means live your life and make your own choices and do your own thing. It doesn't mean, oh, I got to do Wing Chun and I got to do this type of trapping and I have to use, you know, it's like, no, you're just being what Bruce did. The point of Bruce was that you don't have to do what anybody else did. You create your own thing as you go. You Mm -hmm. learn from everybody and you make it work for you. Um, That to me, it's, it's, it's a framework. It's not a style. Now, a third of people out there is like, no, it is a style. We made it a style. And, oh, okay. Well, then, with respect to you, then great. But the way I interpret it, the whole point of Bruce Lee was to not be a slave to Bruce Lee's style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was, wasn't he the one that said, um, discard what is useless and mm-hmm. keep what is useful? I mean, not only in martial arts is that applicable, but. Yeah. And add what is uniquely your own. That's the third right. part. Yeah. Yeah. And he also said, Add "Don't don't pay attention to my finger because you'll <laughs> miss slapped, the moon." <laughs> he <laughs> right? slapped it away. That's crazy. <laughs> so as far as like, because yeah, isn't Jeet Kune Do the style of no style? If you want to be politically correct, <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. So, so, so no one's ever Jeet Kune Do. I'm a Jeet Kune Do-er, you know. Jeet Kune Do-er, bro. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Which is cool. Um, I mean, if there's tough guys who wear that banner and uh, have the tattoo and, and are completely into that. That's And that, again, to each of their own, that's fine. But uh, but to me, he was saying, go forth and do your own thing. That's the message I got. Would you say, just to wrap this up and get to uh, like these 
fast hot take questions to wrap up the show. Would you say that Jeet Kune Do kind of evolved into MMA or do you think MMA still even is kind of putting Jeet Kune Do in a box or that philosophy of that Bruce Lee is, is trying to put forward? Personally, I mean, I think Jeet Kune Do was referring more to self-defense and the whole ball of wax, not just one sportive expression. I mean, mm-hmm. you can say as a philosophy, you know, you do whatever you have to do in the cage within the rules oh, okay. to be effective. And so that's changed over the years, whether it was grappling based and the wrestlers came in and the strikers came back and you kind of went through different evolutions. And then now it's more about the fighter and their skill set. What can they apply? And, you know, it's changed so many times just within it's a young sport. And it still changed a lot. Same with BJJ. It's young in the mainstream, but it's changing constantly. There's innovations and blah, blah, blah. So in that way, it's unlimited and it's free and you can add what's unique, uniquely your own. But um, to me, it was always self-defense. There was no MMA back then. So it was more just about defending yourself. And if that meant pick up a stick, pick up a stick. If that meant hit someone with a laptop on their head, then hit them with a laptop. And it's like, I don't care. It's mm. <laughs> defending yourself has nothing to do with you know the belts and, uh, and okay. trophies yeah, yeah. and, and that, to me, it's like such a different conversation, and I can appreciate other people maybe like outside martial arts, like, oh well, no, it's the same thing. What do you mean? Because they always say that. Oh, Could you beat that guy and watching the cage fight? You know, you that you beat that guy. It's like, no, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> now leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's that guy's the way. An like athlete in a rule set and in a weight <laughs> class, and uh, I, and he's twenty two. What are you talking about? No, if I go up there, no. If he comes after me and my wife in my house, I'll kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or I'm going to go down trying. I mean, and you have to think that, otherwise, you know, what kind of, you can't be good at self defense. But I don't care if you have to hit him with a rolling pin or cut his throat with a broken plate. Uh, that's the way it's going to be. I mean, because that's the position you put me in. And mm-hmm. I don't care if you're an elite athlete, super stud, but you're out on cocaine right now and you're breaking into my house. Uh, that's where self defense takes over. That to me is the bigger Jeet Kundo. It's like, do whatever right. you got to do, man. <laughs> I don't care. Here's my smoothie I, maker. Whoop, is that your hand? There, there you go. We're going to make a smoothie out of your hand, buddy. What about the hamburger? Let me so, drink man. it. Let me drink it. <laughs> I'll have to wash it out before the hamburger. Dang it. <laughs> no, just add it in there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but um, just to bring it back, I feel like, and to conclude the, um, the Bruce Lee never competed thing, I feel like now that we spoke about Jeet Kune Do being you can't really it's it's not a style and you can't really measure it in this sport because it transcends the rules of the sport it's not fair to right. simulate battles of bruce lee in a sport setting with these fighters currently because yeah. i mean if i'm bruce lee and i have to fight francis and god i'm throwing the sidekick to the dick you know what i mean <laughs> i'm probably like like i might get disqualified but i'm trying to win or defend myself and that's not allowed yes. you know <laughs> Your best strategy is to be disqualified. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it, as it, wouldn't as you can. <laughs> it wouldn't be fair to measure Bruce Lee unless you just went like an all out gladiator war, right? Yeah. Um, Grab his braids, bro. Yeah. Grab Francis' braids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, those kinds of conversations are just silly. What if Bruce Lee fought? Mm. What are you talking He was like 135 pounds. So who are you going to put him in with? Uh, well, what if he was fighting Anderson Silva? <laughs> yeah. get killed. What are you talking about? Yeah. In the MMA construct, he would be killed. But if you went after his kid, it would be not interested. Like, oh, that would be an interesting fight. Yeah. <laughs> that is a whole different story. What a, what a perspective. That, that is different. That's completely different. If somebody came to well, us. Yes, right? Yeah, yeah. He would. I mean, 
if you're with your kid, and if, if Francis had gone, was trying to rape your kid. <laughs> that's, a, I, that's a visual. That's a clip. Master no, Ando. Just a, a chin. Master it. Ando. You've got to put yourself in a mindset where yeah. if the scariest guys on the planet mean me harm, I, you can't just start off your class by saying, well, you're, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If we're going to say, well, I'm going to do something because it's my life or it's my kid's life or it's my wife's life. I'm going to do something. So now that's where martial arts starts. Like, so what could I do? All right. Well, this guy's bigger than you. He's stronger than you. He's in top shape. He's an elite athlete. He's a killer. Mm-hmm. Let's let's break it down. Well, <laughs> number one, you better protect your head. Maybe you can live for one second longer if you can take that first <laughs> shot. Okay. Hey. Is there anything on him? Can you get close enough to, to hit his genitalia, you his throat, his eyes? Is there anything you can do to mm-hmm. stun him for a second? Can you survive the first second? Can you stun him in the second second? Is there any way in the world you can either escape or keep pressing pressure and just go down with the ship, going for that one spot you found on his neck or his face mm-hmm. where you can just gouge him out and bite him or whatever you got to do? And that's at least the beginning of an interesting conversation. Yeah. But to sit there and say, well – you know what are you gonna do if you're in the ring with francis and gano i would lose i'd get beat up i'd have head injuries i'd probably be crippled that's not no i don't train for that that's nonsense i can't do that i'm 52 three years old whatever no but Mm -hmm. um but you know in a dark parking lot what the hell i mean leave me alone (laughs) if i get my hand on my crowbar if i can get an ice scraper in my hand i can do something he could kill me but i'm gonna mark him Mm-hmm. He'll, yeah. The police will find him because he'll be cut up somehow. I'll get one good slice at him. So <laughs> I don't know. You know, self defense is not the same as sport, and elite yeah. athletes are not the same as normal people. And life and death and fighting for real is not fun, or mm-hmm. ugly. it's very ugly. So if you can embrace that, and then the, that's why you have to go to the void, so you can embrace the ugliness of it and the horror of it. Hey, you have to kill somebody. You know, I always think about that. It's like. Because again, you have to go to the next level. It's not about mm-hmm. oh, who could you beat in the cage. It's like if you're on that plane that was hijacked on 9/11, and you're in the aisle with these two guys or whoever with box cutters, and you're the first guys who can get to them. You got one chance to eliminate these guys and somehow get back in that cockpit and take control of that plane. That's what I'm trained for. I want to know: could I keep my cool, move my fingers, keep on my feet, be brave enough to close that gap? take a cut, do something to immobilize this guy, press forward, get to the cockpit. If you could train at that mentality, um, you will examine all parts of yourself, your egos, your fears, your courage, your uh, tenacity, your tactics. You have, you'll go down that whole checklist. It's not comfortable because it's real deal life and death. It's not who won the belt. It's yeah. not just you're going to die, but hundreds of people are going to die. Um, that to me is where martial arts training should be always thinking. You should always be at that level of thinking. And then all the other conversations just seem so stupid. Well, which style is better? What's it? It's like, <laughs> be on that plane. You may not even have self-defense training or any martial arts training and still be able to take that guy down and survive. People every day defend themselves with no training whatsoever. They grab a knife. They do the thing you're not supposed to do. They kick a knife. They do crazy stuff and they win and they live. And they tell the story and they may have a scar are here or scar there but they live mm-hmm. and we just don't celebrate these people enough right. we just don't you know we want the trash talking superstar with the abs uh because that's entertaining but meanwhile 
there's a police report about some old woman who was able mm-hmm. to fend her, defend herself from some guy who broke into her house in the middle of the night. And everyone should be talking about her. Yeah. What did she do? Well, she kept her cool and she was able to use her knuckle somehow and she was able to make noise. And she, that's what the information I want my mom to know, my sister to know, my, my niece to know. That's the information. So that, yeah. as much as I can, that's the stuff I would like to promote and teach and focus on, not not the what the 22-year-old studs can do. <laughs> Since I don't know if you've seen those videos of that Detroit street defense guy. I don't know. I have. You should, you should Dusty, be replacing uh, is his name Dusty or... Uh, you should be replacing him. I don't think his uh, his, his oh. methods are not as are not effective. You know, I think you should be doing uh, something like that. That I might be the not point, though. Studied his tapes enough to comment intelligently about them. But you know, just grabbing a crowbar or grabbing a broken plate, you know, grabbing whatever you can see and being able to utilize it in a situation like that is yeah, it's very smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's all I got. I mean, what else are you gonna do? Sidekick to um, the dick. No weapons, bro. No weapons, bro. Great move. I am the weapon. It's funny because I always think that, you know, we we like to talk about pound for pound, John Jones, Islam, Makachev, and all this. But I feel like the most dangerous person, you don't even know him, you know? Like the the person you you least expected. Like, you know, like a Helio Gracie. If If that guy was walking around in regular clothes, you would never know that. He's master splinter, really. really. No way. So, well, yeah, I, I like what you said about how we don't really. The most highlight. dangerous person is the one who's got. Yeah. Um, Let's go sorry. off the rails. Yeah. The the, one, the the ones where you everybody's know, you, you dangerous. Don't, you don't know what weapons they have, right? No. Everybody mm-hmm. can be dangerous. It's not hard to kill somebody. It isn't. Anybody, if you give a five-year-old a steak knife. He could kill everybody. Yeah. I mean, in theory, he always do. Look, look at my carotid. Holy shit. Oh, he cuts an artery. And now you're bleeding out. If you can't get medical attention in time. You will die from a five-year-old with a knife. Um, anyone can kill anybody. If you just decide to turn your energy into, I'm going to kill that guy. Murders happen all the time. These aren't trained black belts and self-defense gurus. It's just people want to kill other people. Whether they choke them or choke them or bash their head into the floor or uh, shoot them or knife them. It's not hard to kill people. Yeah. So I'm not impressed. You know, some of the, oh, I can do this. Like, uh, yeah. With no training. Give me a gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Give me a gun. Give me two shots. Let me give oh, one that scared me a little bit. Okay, the second one I got. Uh, I'll get you. I mean, I'll hurt you. Um, that's fine. You know, but we should accept that. As martial arts, sometimes we get into this bubble of, well, it takes skill to beat up someone and defend yourself. You need to have to do this. You got to train for years. You got to be in shape. You got to, it's like, no, no. Anyone can hurt anybody at any time. If they get the drop on you, if they have the intent to kill you, you have not caught up with that level of intensity, and you're behind. You're 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 in trouble. You're in danger. That first shot, that first cut, that surprise angle. That well, this guy's serious. I mean, in that gap, he's already be cut, already be dead. You know, or their buddy just got you. There's two of them. God forbid, it's even yeah. worse. Two people mm-hmm. want you dead, and you had no idea you were even in a fight, and all of a sudden you're dead. <laughs> So mm-hmm. that's what scares me. It's the, yeah. it's that I, I, there was a, one of those videos, um, surveillance videos, like three or four guys hanging out on a street corner is at night, maybe even France. It might've been and like this other group of dudes are coming down. It might've been like two or three people. And one of them just kind of drifts over to their group. Yeah. And the guy turns around. He kind of does the right thing. He keeps his distance. He got his hands up. 
And the guy takes a knife and just goes straight through the middle of his arms, right into his heart. One shot, zip, walks away, and this guy just dies. Yeah, I saw that. Just That's crazy. No reason. You saw that one? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that could happen to me. That could happen to anybody. And in theory, he did the right thing. He turned and yeah. saw them coming. He put up his hands, kept distance. It's just that. That's... <laughs> That's what scares mm-hmm. me. I don't care how much training you have. Anybody could just right. go up and get shanked. Whoop, one. So, mm-hmm. okay, good night, guys. Bye. <laughs> no, yeah. Die. Life's meaningless. Good night. Nice talking to you. Seriously. No, but I like that you highlight that because right now in, in our landscape where everyone's, you know, doing boxing now, everyone's doing jujitsu now, everyone kind of has that sports martial arts mentality that sometimes, you know, it's not the, the, the emotional IQ isn't really honed in that they take their training out when they're out drunk with friends yeah. or something happens. They still have that sports mentality where it's like one-on-one, you know, just hands like you don't like the, the crazy unpredictable people with, you know, ambush techniques or, or weapons that you don't yeah. know about. You don't anticipate yeah. that because you're thinking about a slip cross, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going crazy over a knockout and yeah. being a world star, but it's not yeah. like that in the streets. And I feel like you have a really grounded perspective on that. And it's and this is why I love you and your content is because you have that grounded, real yin yang, but also the optimism and like you know the life lessons of it. Of yeah, it gets dark, yeah. but there's there's a brighter way to look at it, and it's pretty yeah. much it summarizes yin yang, which is amazing. Hundred percent, and it all mm-hmm. comes from just being honest with myself about how many times I've been caught off guard and been scared. And when I think about, and I I don't live a very dangerous lifestyle. I don't I don't drink. I don't go out. I don't do anything. I'm boring. And even in my life of 52 years, um, there have been situations where I was like completely like, whoa, that mm. could have been really bad. And it could have just been someone grabbing you. It could have just been, oh, you still there? Yeah. It could have been someone just grabbing me in a, a suddenly, or someone just put their hands on my throat really fast, or someone just came up on me really fast, or you know, being beaten up a couple of times. And it's like, it happens so fast and you think, and I was already training. It's like, Whoa, I'm, I think I'm pretty aware. I think I'm pretty tough and it didn't matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. You still got the, someone still got the drop on you. You still got touched. And any one of those would have been dead. And I can't let that go. I can't let my ego make me forget how easy it is to scare somebody, catch somebody off guard, hurt somebody. It's easy to do it. Anyone could kill anybody at any time. It's, mm-hmm. it's again, just about bettering your odds. How fast can you recover? How fast can you keep your cool so that you can make a good decision on that reaction? Like, whoa, I got stabbed and I need to get over this way or I need to change the angle or I need to get my hand on the weapon. That, that split second, all the years of training come down to just that split second of better judgment that will give you the better odds of surviving. There is no... Oh, this guy pulled out a knife, so I did pop, 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 and no, <laughs> it'll be, I didn't even see this guy coming. The honest story would be, you know, I came outside, it was kind of dark, I was taking out the trash, and all of a sudden, I, got, I felt something on my side. I thought it was like a, yeah. a, a someone tackling me, but actually, this guy had a knife. He was already stabbing me, and I was trying to get away, and I was had my hand up like this, I kind of fell. He fell over me, and I just, luckily, but not luckily, it's years of training, got on my side instead of my back and I was able to just kind of trap his arm and I kind of got up on top and I was able to hit him once or twice and I ran and the neighbor heard me screaming and they called the police and I was hiding there bleeding, holding my cut. And that would be the story. And you'd say, wow, you got lucky. But on the other hand, then you would go back and go, 
that was actually the expression, the real life expression of years of training and the way I flinched and the way I turned and the way I fell and the way I put pressure on them to get up and the way I created distance. You could go back at every one of those moments and go, I probably wouldn't have done that if I didn't have that training. That's not to say you need the training. I already said you don't have to have training. People survive all the time because killers can be incompetent and slip and miss and be inefficient. So that gives other people gaps to get away. But even with the training, you got to just get an adjustment to your reality of what it might look like. And it might be really ugly, really not fancy. You wouldn't want your students to see it. They'd be like, what the hell is this? He doesn't even look like he has any training. But inside the moment, inside the feel, there was just that slight, subtle energy change mm-hmm. where you, f- you just for some reason felt he was going to go zigging so you zagged and that yeah. saved your life and it's impossible for you to explain that to anybody but somewhere in you you know like that saved my life and it looks yeah. like this in a form and it could be like this in MMA whatever mm-hmm. but that was what that moment was and to me that's why it's so hard to uh, it's hard to, to take it out of the real life situation and then go practice it because it was so ugly you can't re reproduce it mm, it's like well right. look like this mm-hmm. <laughs> and i won i got away it's like well so what's the form does the kata go like this now it's like, <laughs> no but that's just how it ended up and um as long as you can see that like here's the form here's the lesson here's the technique here's the principle and now you throw it out into the void and it is whatever it is and i don't judge it if you judge it so it should look like this and i screwed up no 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 if you lived again it comes down to results if you got out of it you did a great job. If you died, but you still gave your best shot, you still did a great job. You just happened to lose. Um, it's only if you froze up and you did nothing that you should probably end up feeling like, I didn't do the right training. Yeah. Freezing. Freezing is a clue that uh, I'm doing something wrong. If you're still mm-hmm. doing something when you die, then that was a good death. You, your training paid off. You tried. But if you're like, I don't know, well, you should have trained differently. <laughs> I have yeah. one more one more insight I wanted to just put out there before we wrap up. So like Jerizi cool. was saying, um, you know, with, with everybody trying to be fighters nowadays, uh, people want to go out and, and test their skills and they want to flex and they want to show off and they want to, you know, get, get all dangerous now that they're trained out in public. And I think this is where that third path is should be really, really highlighted and emphasized because um, I think that third path and keeping that those values of respect and honor and, you know, really just showing respect to your coaches and your your uh, training partners at all time and keeping that old school karate type environment and instilling that into these these new gyms. I, th- I think that would be a really good thing because um, really all, all that I've been seeing at, at these commercial mainstream gyms is people just training to to become violent you know to become skillful violent people there's not really i mean there are for the most part you know the coaches will will instill that respect in you but Mm -hmm. the after that you know after the little instruction they'll leave you to your own resolve and you're just sparring and you're, you're doing all these things with other people and then you go home you know, there's none of that bowing anymore. There's none of that, you know, there's there's really not that much of that respect, that old school respect that's being shown. And I think that third path that you guys were discussing 
that that those values I think would be really beneficial for for these gyms, man. So I really appreciate your 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 insight, Sensei. Really do. Well, thank you, thank you very much. And and again, I don't think it's uh, there are uh, there are gyms, even MMA, modern types of fighting styles that. Uh, there's a built-in respect. I mean, I think, again, most guys who are running a business, for sure, they can't have their students come and get hurt all the time. Yeah. So at some point, they have to have people treat each other with respect or to take it down a notch and to keep it cool. Because um, if that vibe doesn't – if you don't have that vibe, your gym's going to close or you're going to have just a couple of crazy people uh, who hurt you too. If it's your business, you're, everyone's going to get hurt. That's the weird thing about martial arts. That's why I like it because it kind of filters itself out. Sure, you see a couple of these Instagram feeds and their gyms crazy and out of control and everyone's going bonkers. But that's a real small subset, I think, of people. And um, most people know that they're not going to be UFC champions. Most people don't want that. So as long as that's true, I, I have faith for the martial arts. And this third path comes out in different ways. I mean, I've also been in parts of gyms where they don't do, well, we don't do the bows and the belts. But mm-hmm. they have respect for each other. They just show it in different ways. They show up. Yeah. They listen. They let each other talk. They don't hurt each other. They, they get together and have potluck dinners and things, and they got their community. And um, it's beautiful. Like any mm-hmm. group of people that have a common interest, you know. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm more optimistic about it. I think most people are pretty good, and most people want similar things enough that they can find groups and come together and help each other out. And, um, you know, there's always some weirdos out out there but that's why we take self-defense because there's always some weirdos out there <laughs> Amen. Yeah, you know. yeah so yeah. R- to wrap everything up i just wanted to read some responses to this question we had in our discord um what life lessons have you learned through practicing martial arts um i said mine is anybody can be dangerous so stay dangerous we had a member say size doesn't matter if they have more experience and no more uh, we have another one that said it's better to watch other people get beat up than getting <laughs> beat up yourself. <laughs> so um, this this podcast just shows that martial arts on the surface level can already help you as far as your physical health, you know, your confidence, uh, discipline. But if you keep going down that rabbit hole of martial arts, there's a lot more treasures underneath there. So keep it going, guys. Sensei Ando, we just want to send you off with five questions. Kyle and I are just going to okay. rapid fire five questions. My first okay. one is favorite fight scene in a movie. <laughs> favorite fight scene in a movie. Uh, I, I I do like uh, old Steven Seagal movies when he just wipes out everybody without getting touched. <laughs> I, when he goes into the original, the original Above the Law movie, when he goes into the bar looking for the girl and – it was the first time I'd ever seen Aikido. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just so crazy. He had cowboy boots on and a suit jacket. looked cool. And just going and hammer fisting that guy in the face. <laughs> slamming the guy's head in the bar. And pulling the guy over the bar. I just thought, that's the most macho shit I've ever seen. <laughs> so, um, and mysterious macho shit. Like, I just, I got to go study Aikido immediately. So, I, I got sucked into that. So, that was that was a favorite. Um, good, that's my answer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um... Before you go, Kyle, I just want to suggest, Sensei Ando, 
you should film like a promo for your channel where you do a reenactment of that scene and you beat up all the cave members in one hit. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you seen this girl? Hey man, you seen this girl? I seen the top of her head. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, that's <laughs> this one so if you guys are willing, oh. sure, let's do it. Man, yeah, that would you're be in good. LA now, so we're in the West Coast. So that's right. Yeah, we can make that. it happen. We can make a badass video. Uh, my my question is, who is your favorite superhero? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, uh, summer. I have, yeah, but just to be spiteful. Uh, you know, when, when I was a kid, uh, I have to just go with my first one. It was Superman. This is not it's original, but I like the fact that um, he just is. I don't like the new Superman, but the original Superman. Where it was just, he could be cocky. He was so powerful mm-hmm. that he could just smile. The old George Reed's black and white TV show, it wasn't just that he was Superman, but he had a smirk on his face all the time. So I thought, that's cool. He's <laughs> got the power and he's happy. He's not like Batman, who's like brooding, upset, says issues. And it's like, why he's live depressed. in the dark if you're, what kind of superhero is this? It's like, that's scared it's not my role model. Like, even when he wins, he's unhappy. It's like this guy. Seeing Val Kilmer smile in his movie, it's like, that, that's just weird. It doesn't fit that character. Yeah. Whereas if Superman smiles, you're like, all right. Oh, I'm sorry. I should update my file. Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Ooh. There we go. Because she brought back, you there, sir. She brought back what I liked about the original Superman. Because her first movie, it was a shameless hero. She didn't have issues. She didn't doubt her powers. She wasn't hesitant. She wasn't... Uh, thinking she wanted to live a different life. No. She was like, what's happening here is wrong. You guys aren't doing anything about it. I'm gonna. And mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna think twice about it. I'm just gonna throw myself in here and fight. I love the simpleness of that. I love the purity of that. That's what the superhero should be. I don't need Superman killing Zod and crying about it. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need people doing the right thing and then also having to feel bad about it. That tells kids, hey, if you do the right thing, you're gonna feel terrible. No. Mm-hmm. You got to do the right thing and then smile. If you're or be stoic, but if you're gonna, if you have to do something, at least smile. Don't cry about it. Mm-hmm. Do the right thing and feel good about it. Be proud of yourself. Sensei, I like that movie for many different reasons. <laughs> I watched not, not any. I watched Wonder Woman, but I missed that part. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. None of the reasons that you said. Just, just gal. <laughs> no, I actually haven't seen that movie, so I need real. to go see that for that. Really? Joe, oh, your yeah. turn, bro. Yeah, so mine. Um, do you have any favorite UFC fighters? Uh, well, I, I mentioned Rose uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just so impressed by how she has lived her life and put a positive spin on it, even when she didn't have to. Valentina, of course, is fantastic. And I'm picking female fighters. I don't know why, but they, they just stick out of my head because they've just been – because she dances. She'll fight. She can lay it down, and then she can still have a happy spirit and smile about what she did. There's something about that. I don't like all the uh, the, the the posing and the trash talking. I'm, not, I'm old fashioned. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Superman, idealistic. You're powerful and happy. And and uh, Rose to be a positive message person, and uh, Valentina who always seems very uh, pleasant um, and can still find joy in what she's doing. I, I dig that. What do you think about Connor's fighting style? Minus his trash talking. Like, what do you think about his ability? Do you think he's a skillful uh, fighter? Because there's a lot of Taekwondo in there. There's, yeah, you know, when he when Jose Aldo went down, 
And I heard him in an interview afterwards say that he had predicted the shot based on when they had done, I think, like the way off or the way ends. And uh, mm-hmm. he said when he went nose to nose with him at the thing, he noticed Jose clenching his fist. And he felt that it was a tell that he was already picturing how he was going to beat Connor. And then yeah. Connor, at the beginning of that fight, read it immediately, obviously, counter, uh, you know, check hooked him, whatever. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, if his. If that is the true statement that he was able to read in a normal life, could read somebody and then apply it under pressure in the fight, then that to me is a great example of taking it out of the sport and making it a life thing. He's reading people now just wearing a suit and doing the media events, all this distraction, and he's still subtle enough to notice a clenching fist and a leaning of a weight where he could already start predicting two days or whatever it was that I know how how to beat this guy now. And to make it happen... Woo. So if you're talking wow. that technique and that Connor, yeah, doesn't get better. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure you saw that clip, uh, Ando, of, the, of Connor practicing that same exact punch in the back yeah. room before yeah. the fight. Amazing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. that is as good as it gets. You know, whatever happened afterwards and how he's doing now, I don't know. The proper twelve. That, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah, that's as, that's as good as it gets. That's as good as because in real life, if a guy came up to you and you could read it and do one move and make it over, that's the dream. That's the dream mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. So let's all train for that goal, right? That's it. Right. That's, is, that's is it my turn? It's my turn. Last okay. one. How about we do this? Old school UFC one rules. This is a throwback question. No weight, any rules. You pick a fighter to coach. Who would you pick to win it? Pick a fighter from back then? Any any era. So you can even pick Hickson go, if you want to. To go back in time and to fight in UFC 1 to win it? No, let's say right now UFC 1 style as far as rules. But Oh, people alive today. Yes. UFC run one. Jeez, that's hard. <laughs> that's a hard one. So much has changed. So many people are well-rounded now. I mean, Demetrius Johnson, someone like that is so... You know, fierce, but he's small or smaller, mm-hmm. and oh, that's a hard one. Demetrius, yeah. Of course, you're saying I just have to coach. You just have to coach. I just, yeah. have, to, I just have to. I don't have to go in and do anything. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm not responsible. Uh, God, who seems coachable just, to you? You know, lately I haven't even followed the sport that much because uh, I kind of just lost interest. And once it went on ESPN, I didn't want to pay any extra anymore. So I was like, ah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have right I don't you. know all the current uh, the current roster as well, um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But you know, well, you can go with the easy heavyweight champion of the world right now. Why not pick him? Because he also uh, innovated with some you know like oblique kicking and arm cranking, yeah. and he's done some cool stuff that was kind of like well, no eye poking if you like to argue that. Um, <laughs> so if we're going back to original <laughs> rules, and you got a guy is already kind of fighting on the edges of legal and he's a physical specimen and he's at, you know, yeah. Okay. Give me John Jones. <laughs> yeah. That was my answer. I don't know about coachable though, but <laughs> yeah. Kyle, who's your pick, man? I don't think I asked you this. I'm like, why would you pick anybody aside from John Jones? You know? Yeah. Right. He's just, <laughs> he's just like, He's too good. He's too big. Like he should. He could be a football player. He could be a basketball yeah. player. But he chose to kill people. Right. You know. It's just yeah, not basically. fair. 
It's not fair. I think, not dude, fair. I think he's a blue belt too, right? Like, is he? The, the, I, I'm not, he might be. I don't know. Probably purple belt, Max, but shit, man. I think he was a white belt when he choked out Leo and Mashida for sure, though. Wow. There wow. You, Anyways, there you go. Just I, like his style. Wow. You know? Yeah. In and, on, in and off, the, <laughs> off the ring. Hey, Jerez, wow, yeah. do, yeah. do I have your permission to ask him that last question? Yeah, uh, go ahead, Okay. Come on now. Yeah, I'll, 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 <laughs> no, that's I'll, it, Kyle. <laughs> I'll uh I'll I'll change it up, but since Ando, I got a I got a final question for you, okay? Ready. Do you think porn is detrimental? Whoa. <laughs> I did it for wow. the facial reaction. <laughs> well that's a first. No one's asked that before. Um detrimental to whom? To men. No, well, this is this is coming from an ex-porn addict. That's why I'm asking that. And okay, well, that makes it better. To to add on top of that, you know, martial arts was was what helped me get out of that. So, yeah, I think is it detrimental? Any everything is detrimental. Anything mm-hmm. can be detrimental if it's out of proportion with the rest of your life and uh, leading you to unhealthy choices. So, alcohol can be. Part of a, I guess, a healthy lifestyle. I don't drink, but have some friends who are they like one wine or a couple beers and it makes them happier and lighter at a party. Okay, I judge it. Somebody wants to vape or smoke. Okay, if that's your thing. Some people, you know, you're, you're a ballet dancer, but you're obsessive and you screw up your knees and your ankles for the rest of your life and you regret it because went too hard, went too, didn't know, head injuries early on when concussion science wasn't so great. I took, I think, too many falls and too many shots. So martial arts is detrimental. Um, but on the whole, I feel the balance has been good. So porn, um, you know, and again, I mean, what you're talking about, illegal ages, people, and they're being killed in snuff films. We have to define our terms. What right. do you mean oh, by Oh, not porn? that. Not that stuff. No, no, well, no, 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 no. I, I'm not <laughs> Yeah, you got to define you know, it. If your life is spent in imaginary relationships, and that's taking away from your real relationships – Yes. or it changes your standards for real relationships, then that would be detrimental to your real relationships. And if that's important to you, then that is a problem. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, anything can be detrimental. So porn can be detrimental. That would be my answer. And just, just for context, because that's that question sounded kind of ridiculous. I should give you some context. Um, He's actually struggling. I prefer if you have pictures that go with the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, what, I, what, I've, what I've learned after I got divorced, I, I did some research on on the effects of it, and it affects your your testosterone. And if you're doing it constantly, it affects your dopamine. And what I noticed when I was doing well um, was that when I would abstain from it, I felt like I was stronger. I felt like my cardiovascular health was was a lot more optimal. Um, I was waking up early every day, you know, but when I was doing it on a consistent basis, it was like my energy was sapped, you know, I was just not wanting to go to work. So I don't know if you had any, you know, knowledge on like, um, testosterone and, and, you know, how it affects fitness and whatnot. Can I I just add a little bit to that? Yeah. I feel like that's your body telling you it's detrimental. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Very much. Right. Right. Yeah. The clues are there. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, so there you go. I mean, I, I can't argue with your your experience. That's ex- there you go. Um, mm-hmm. There are certain things that your body just wants to do to be healthy and 
uh, and be able to recover from injuries and be able to train and just be happy. And if right now, even there's porn, okay, that could be detrimental. Sitting in an office chair for eight hours a day is detrimental. Yeah. I mean, clearly, there's studies now. It's, it's like the new smoking, right? Sitting in a chair is the new smoking. So you could argue that gaming is is awful as well if you're sitting in a chair all day just gaming. How is that healthy? How is that helping your heart and lungs? How is that helping your circulation? How is that helping your immune system? Uh, no. Overeating. There's a million things that you could put on the list that are detrimental. Um, I'm, in, I'm on no particular campaign like, well, it's, it's all porn or it's all food or it's all smoking. It's like they're all bad. Martial arts can be bad if you're in a bad gym, you're taking headshots, you get broken bones all the time, and you're getting abused. And uh, being in a relationship can be detrimental if the person's abusing you and toxic type of relationship. Everything could be detrimental, which is why we have to kind of assess, get to the void, and judge it and go, wait a minute. Is this who I want to be? Is this leading me to where I want to go? Why yeah. am I doing this all day? What is this making up for? Why am I taking the easy way out on this? Why can't I go get the real thing or whatever? You know, mm. it's so important that we do that. And um, an addiction personality type or whatever that chemical thing is behind that, that doesn't help, you know? Yeah. And if you yeah. be even stronger and hopefully you can find a pursuit that if martial arts is it, it is for me, I'm kind of compulsive. So martial arts has been healthy, <laughs> a healthier thing. I always say that to my, my wife, if we ever go into a liquor store to buy a gift or go to a party or something, I look at all those bottles and I always think, oh my God, it would be so easy to be an alcoholic because I can already tell I'm just so attracted to all these cool labels and all these cool bottles. And I want to know what every one of those tastes like, how you mix those things. It's like, it just gets in my head immediately. Like I must know everything about all of these Drink all of them. Like, I, I know if I took one drink, like 15 years ago by, I'd wake up in an alley somewhere. I'd be like, what? What happened? I just know that <laughs> would happen. <laughs> so fortunately, martial arts has been my drink of choice. And uh, it has its own toll, but it's been better than others. So thanks for admitting Thank you, that and talking about that. That's an important issue yeah. for sure. Um, I appreciate your response, thanks. man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I'm not a doctor about that stuff, but uh, it sounds like you've already passed it. So yeah. <laughs> carry on, carry on with your new self. We good. I, I just like pissing Dreezy off with my porn questions because I bring up porn <laughs> every single podcast. Oh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes we have dedicated episodes on like mental health and porn, and sometimes we'll interview like athletes, and then Kyle will come up with the porn question. And yeah. We'll talk about basketball. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, after we reshoot the above the law scene, if there's any time left, maybe we can shoot something outside. <laughs> yeah, let's do martial it. arts for a happy life, baby. Ando, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. For the people watching, thank you guys. You, where can they follow you? Where can they reach you? Oh, just look up Ando Martial Arts. I'll probably pop up. Uh, happy Life Martial Arts, uh, senseiando.com. I'm around. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus the last couple of months trying to move across the country and get started here. But, um, yep, um, everyone's welcome all the time. Come over to the website. Uh, I'll be doing classes here in L.A., uh, whatever whatever I can do to get help people with martial arts. I'm here. I'm ready. So um, thank you guys. This has been a really great time. I was not expecting this at all. It's been an <laughs> honor to be in the cave. I will uh, catch that episode you mentioned about uh, stoicism. I can't wait for that. And uh, I hope we stay in touch. You guys have been terrific. Thank you so much. Great to meet you. Thank for you, sir. Sure. Likewise. Definitely will. And if you want to continue the conversation, guys, make sure you guys join the Discord. Link will be on the website, cave.com. That's k4v3.com. 
go deeper down the rabbit holes of the topics that we mentioned. Sensei Endo, thanks for coming on. Okay, podcast, baby. Thank you, everybody. Have a beautiful night. Thank you, guys. Later. Bye. Later. Bye-bye.